So yeah, I'm thinking we won't really even have an intro for this. I'm thinking we'll just go right on into it. We'll just keep it casual. Sure. Yeah, I guess we can, yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens. This is our first first ever episode of Game Explain Real Talk, right? So yeah, sounds like we're going on a date on a blind date. <laughs> just keep it casual, you know. Don't really know what's going to happen. Don't know where it'll go. Give, her, but, give, you know, her, we'll give just... them flowers. Make sure yeah. they're comfortable. Don't come across as too creepy or too eager. Right. Yeah. So guess what, guys? I'm going to use this as our official opening for Game of Spain Real Talk. Nice. <laughs> so, guys, welcome to uh, our first ever episode, our first ever podcast, I should say, of Game of Spain Real Talk. So we are we're going to see how this goes. Should be interesting. So, of course, we're joined by uh, Ash and Derek, and we're just going to talk casually about uh first off what we've done what we've been doing for the past week or so and then we'll dive into um some news topics and then we'll go into our own topics that we each chose uh, based on suggestions from you guys or from our patreon backers more specifically which hopefully some of you <laughs> so <laughs> all right so um yeah someone wants to do any of you want to start off with what you've been up to this past week anything cool or uh noteworthy Let's be honest, it's kind of hard to have a life when we do what we do. <laughs> but, no, I, I do try to get out and have some fun where, when I can, or at least do other things. And the, the thing I've been doing recently is I finally got a chance to start uh, Jessica Jones on Netflix. I like that. I, I'm actually really enjoying it. It's uh, it's one of those things where the, uh, I don't want, I'm only three episodes in, but the, they've really made the villains super creepy. Now, Derek, when you said, you know, stuff that you're getting out and doing, I thought you actually meant outside the house. I wasn't <laughs> oh, expecting no, you I... to go from that to Netflix. So uh, I was <laughs> here trying house. to think of things I've done. Yeah. Um, I mean, if we're talking about just non-gaming things, I continue to keep up. I don't keep up with a lot of TV shows because of most of my free time, rare as it is, I would prefer to go to gaming. Uh, but I do keep up with Modern Family, which is weirdly, it's just, it's so consistent. I've watched all seven seasons in their entirety. Uh, at least so well as as much as the uh, seventh season is out is as it's out right now, and it's so consistent. I don't think I've ever seen a bad episode of that show. Like there are some that are less funny than others, sure, but I've never like wanted to stop watching an episode halfway through. So I continue to watch Modern Family, love it, uh, and then my wife and I are continuing our long, long journey through the original Sailor Moon series because they recently. Uh, you know, they recently released the entire all five seasons original series on Hulu, um, dubbed and subbed. So we've been watching through the entire thing subbed. We're both big Sailor Moon fans. Um, so that's really what I'm doing when I'm not playing games or outside of the house. I'm watching one of those two shows. I really need to try and get in a modern family or, but I've seen a couple episodes here and there and every time I see it, it looks hilarious. It's, um, it's weirdly consistent. Like I said, yeah. so many other sitcoms really peter out. And just kind of become formulaic or just really unfunny. And Modern Family hasn't fallen in that trap yet, strangely enough. Yeah, I pretty much. I mean, and I pretty much burned out completely on sitcoms uh, for like the last few years. Yeah, uh, I don't blame you. Yeah, so and they don't have a laugh track, right? On no, they don't. No, yeah. and I think it's sort of like The Office where they they're pseudo getting interviewed by people, but I don't mm. know if they drop that conceit because I did watch the first, I think, two or three episodes back when I uh, still lived at home. Because uh, that's how long ago this thing started with seven yeah. seasons, uh, and I thought it was funny, but you know, I, at that point I just was not watching sitcoms, was not watching anything. And by the time I moved out of the house, I'm not watching TV at all. Like, right? I'd love to watch the Muppets because I love the Muppets, but I just don't have time, and I just don't, you know, take the time. Oh no, no, there's a there's a show right there. 
Have you been watching the new Muppets at all? Like you haven't? You haven't watched? Anything? I haven't. I heard I when haven't. they came back that they were like re, like doing a soft reboot and sort of changing the format of the show. So that, that that's a thing. Like they they had announced before uh, when it went on hiatus that when it was coming back it'd be different. Um, I forget exactly how they they said it, but that was like you know that was the, the general vibe of the show or of the announcement. And it came back. And if I hadn't known better, I wouldn't have noticed. Like any significant changes, like I mean, uh, there are there are changes, there are tweaks here and there, but it's not like that big of a reboot. They're making a very like slight turn that they're working on on the revamping the show. So I actually appreciate it for that because they are trying to um, make the show work better without making it like an instant 90, 90 degree turn, right? Mm-hmm. So have yeah. they kept that? Have they kept that new Muppet from the recent movie? Like they they brought a new no. Muppet into the fold. No, they he's didn't. gone. Yeah, they don't care <laughs> oh, I about liked him. him. That's so sad. He was great. <laughs> no, really. So I, I didn't care about him at all. Like I thought. Oh, I thought he's cool. I mean, to be fair, I don't like the movie that much either. So. Oh, okay. The, the first one or the second one? Uh, I didn't the see first the one, one. I think is uh, only yeah the first one. Yeah, the first the first one's definitely good. I thought thought the second one was weaker, which is odd because I love my favorite Muppet movie as a kid was the Great Muppet Caper. And this was sort of like a the recreation of that for the, that second movie, and I don't know, it just sort of fell flat for me. I think the only Muppet movie I've ever actually seen besides the one I just mentioned was the uh, the great. What was the first one? The Great Muppet or uh... No, uh, no, that's uh, just the Muppet movie. Yeah, the Muppet movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I barely remember that. Um, so are they good? <laughs> are they worth watching? I, the I like it. Yes, Great Muppet yeah. Caper. Yes, uh, I never saw Mu- Muppets in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then as a kid, I saw Muppet Treasure Island and Muppet uh, Christmas Carol, and I love those. Okay. I think I still think those two hold up really well. God, you're like a Muppet encyclopedia, Derek. <laughs> I had no idea that you were so into the Muppets. <laughs> that's awesome, though. I watched Muppet Babies as a kid, and that's Muppet what I into it. Then they, was awesome. The Disney movies were coming out, and I loved them. The funny thing is, I never watched the 70s Muppet show. Mm-hmm. I didn't either, yeah. No, I didn't, yeah, I mean, I haven't either. I did watch Muppet Babies, though. I was kind of uh, pretty into that as well. Uh, but I, I, th- I think for me, the quintessential Muppet thing that I've ever seen is Muppets, uh, Muppets 3D at Disneyland and Disney World. Yes. That, to love me, that. is like... That is like quintessential Muppets. I love. I mean, not just that. Like that to me feels like quintessential Muppets and quintessential Disney. Like it's a perfect combination. It works so well. And this actually preceded, you know, well preceded before Disney bought the rights of the Muppets. Um, and I love that show. Like it captures the humor. It's got the original voices. I just cannot get used to the new voice cast. By the way, the new voice cast is yeah. close, not quite on point. Um, and I, I just love everything about the original show. Even the 3D Muppet, which a lot of people have problems with, I have no problem with him. He works great. So. Nice. <laughs> that guy is just pushing all the 3D effects in your face. Yeah, the, the spirit of the 3D. That's well, all I know is I unexpectedly embarrassed myself because I, I watched the Muppets movie on some flight. I think I was flying back from Tokyo, and I was like trying to kill a couple hours, so I'm like, okay, well, I haven't seen the Muppets movie. I heard it was really good, so I'll watch it. And by the end, I'm like, you know, kind of crying. It's really it's really sweet at the end, and it's like got mm-hmm. a great message, and the, the person next to me sitting next me is kind of looking at me and, and trying to act, to act like they're not looking at me, but they're clearly like, <laughs> what is wrong with this guy? He's watching the Muppets movie and he's crying. So I, I didn't expect it to, uh, you know, be like that, but I, I actually quite enjoyed it. Well, you know what's funny? Actually, you're, man, we're kind of going on all kinds of tangents here. Yeah, really. Uh, <laughs> we're unleashed. It's, it's, a, it's a problem. <laughs> yeah, we'll Game see. explain unleashed. We'll see, we'll see what people think of all this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what's funny is, speaking of, like, you crying to the Muppets, like, I found as I get, as I've gotten older, like, I've, be- I've become more emotional as even watching, like, older, like, uh, Disney movies, for instance, or animated movies, like, or movies designed for children, or that seem like they were designed more for children. 
Like I find myself being more affected by them now. Now that I'm seeing them from a different perspective, being being older. And it's oh yeah. Weird. <laughs> yeah. No, I, like, I'm afraid. I'd be afraid to go back and watch Homeward Bound because even as a kid, oh, that, that, the, that ending with the dog limping in, I'm like, oh my god, it's he's alive every freaking time. <laughs> try try to go back dog. and watch the Brave Little Toaster and tell me how that. Oh my dog. god, oh, man, I was watched that in so long. Favorite <laughs> movies as a kid. I don't know if I can handle it. I don't know if I can handle it. Yeah, the well, radio, remember, radio's so good. Well, when uh, when Up first came out in theaters, uh, my wife and I went to see it with her little brother and little sister, and they had a great time. They were laughing. You know, they were younger, so they didn't quite get a lot of the more adult stuff, and so they were totally embarrassed by us because the two of us spent the entire movie just holding each other sobbing, <laughs> oh, basically. <laughs> because, because of the opening? Yeah, well, the opening and then toward the end when he's looking through the book, and she mm-hmm. leaves him that little section at the end of the book telling him to go have his own adventures. I can't even talk about it now without getting emotional. Oh, it's such a sad movie, but so sweet. Well, speaking. And, <laughs> oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I'm just saying it's just one of well, those things where you look at it differently as an adult. Well, the same, the same sort of thing happened to me when we went to see Inside Out, uh, Andre. Uh, oh yeah, three because that ending and the whole thing about having like why sadness is good and accepting sadness. I'm like, yes, <laughs> it's like it's <laughs> that's so another good. one. Inside Out was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pixar. Pixar knows how to hit just right on those like the highest of emotional notes, right? They really do. Yeah. Like, I mean, or yeah, like at the beginning of Up, or even uh, for me, like Finding Nemo, the, like the opening three minutes of that movie just mm. gets me every time. It's like, holy oh, crap. Yeah. It's <laughs> so, well, speaking of emotional things, uh, what I've been up to this past, actually several weeks, but I wrapped it up this week, um, is that I've been playing Super Metroid. I thought I've never fully beat it, uh, or I've, I've, I only ever played for like an hour or two uh, in the past, never could get past the opening, um, I finally decided to sit down and beat it, and uh, spoilers, uh, you get us talking about all these movies, like the ending, uh, the whole like ending final boss thing reminded me of what we've been talking about with the baby Metroid that comes up, you know, and saves you at the end, mm-hmm. and or you know, and then like sacrifices himself so Samus can finish off a uh, mother brain. But yeah, so I finished that game. Finally, uh, finally did it after all these years. That's a prime you somehow example. not experienced that. Heard about that before? So but- okay, I actually had heard about that before. Plus, I'd seen the. Um, yeah, I'd seen the opening cutscene to to Other M, which yeah. basically re envisioned that uh, that cutscene because it looked awesome in Other M. Um, but I was actually surprised by how much of the game I did not know about. I was getting power ups left and right I had never even heard of. Nice. When I first got that, um, was it the super bomb you can use when you're in the ball form? Oh, the power bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the power bomb. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> like that thing's <laughs> huge. Like it, it, like it legit impressed me. Like I did not see that coming. Uh, same thing for a few other things. I'm trying to remember um, what else I came across that surprised me. Uh, like the uh, I, I didn't know I didn't know there was a wall jump in the game. Did not know you could wall jump. <laughs> okay, and probably the I, I saw on Twitter like you were that. chronicling the fact that you had trouble figuring that out. Screw that shaft. It, that shaft yeah. is BS. <laughs> that's that's a that's a sticking point for a lot of people in their first mm. time through. The the weird thing is, I think that shaft would actually be better. Well, first off, it'd be better. If they made the controls better. Like the, the wall jumping is. Stupid! It's broken, and you barely even need it in the game. Um, I do like how they try to teach it with you, uh, teach it to you via the creatures in that room. Mm-hmm. Um, but the big problem with it is the fact if they just locked you in that room, it would have been better. The fact that they don't, man, I was running back through the last that sequence of rooms, which are like three or four rooms, one's like a giant tunnel for like thirty to forty minutes, it's because I'm like, there's well, obviously there's no way I can go up the shaft. I need like some kind of wall jump ability. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, obviously I needed. I knew I needed to wall jump. I'm like, I, maybe I need some kind of ability to do this. So I kept. I'm like, what am I missing? There's other rooms. Whereas if they had locked me in the room, I would have realized I had to sit down there and figure it out. Even though I had already tried to figure it out 
Uh, just those controls are so wonky. For you know, what's funny is once you get it down, it's actually very easy to pull off reliably. But the, but the motion itself is really weird. So like once you learn it, it's easy, but it's really strange. I don't, okay, maybe maybe it's lag. I don't know if it's due to the virtual console. Like I'm usually pretty good with that kind of timing stuff, mm-hmm. like timing moves like that. Although I started, to, I was able to do it more consistently. I was never great at it. I could never get good at the wall jump. Right. Um, so I don't know if it was because of inherent leg or. But I mean, okay. So how how do you, when you do the wall jump, how do you do it? <laughs> I you remember. Well, from what I remember, when I'm against a wall, I, I will deliberately push in the direction opposite the wall. Okay, right. Before actually pressing. A okay. Jump. Yeah, that's what I was trying to do too. I could never yeah. get the timing right to do it consistently. Oh, okay. So. Hmm. It's weird. It's like you have to press it away from the wall long enough to where you would think Samus would move away from the wall before you're able to jump, mm-hmm. but that's not really what she does. It's kind of it's weird. What you see on the screen isn't exactly doesn't exactly match up with what you're doing in the controller. So it's yeah. a really strange motion that you have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, s- s- controls are definitely not one of Super Metroid's strongest suits. I mean, they're fine, but the way Samus moves is, is always a little strange. Mm-hmm. So you know, yeah, th- th- that's something that maybe if there's one thing to possibly nitpick about Super Metroid, maybe it would be that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, the game is. We, you were talking about the ending, and, and that is a prime example of a Metroid kind Prime of, example. Oh man, a Metroid <laughs> Prime example of the kind of storytelling, the the kind of minimalist storytelling that Metroid excels at. That other end completely ruined. Um, <laughs> they really are polar opposites. They really yeah. are. I mean, the, the just that whole the whole the way that whole sequence plays out is so effective, and Samus never even speaks a word. She doesn't. That's right. Yeah. And she the only the only thing she says, or the only thing you ever hear her do, is like when she screams and you die. Yeah. And yeah. obviously that's not canon because she can't die. So exactly <laughs> right. So does this actually inspire you to try out some of the other Metroid games? Like, will you try out Zero Mission or Fusion? It has actually, and actually, this someone mentioned. Oh, I wish I had their name up here. I'll try and find it later, and I'll give them proper credit. Uh, someone had suggested, or so I, what I want to do now is I want to go back and play. I've already, I actually already downloaded as soon as I finished Super Metroid. I literally went to the eShop, downloaded. Um, oh, what's the, uh, the the remake of the NES one? Zero Mission. Zero Mission. Yeah, zero mission. I, yeah. I actually do want to play that now. And someone had the idea of like, what if we had a game on our podcast that everyone kind of played through together at the same time? Not necessarily, you know, all of us in the podcast because we all have really whack schedules but like some you know people can at home follow along with us on the podcast and so i'll be starting up uh, zero mission and uh since i don't have much time to play games i'll probably be chipping away at it over the you know over the weeks and uh i'll probably touch back on my thoughts over on that game you know as we go through this podcast and only on this podcast it's a yeah. fantastic game yeah, zero, it's, zero it's mission? Really, it's, it is shorter i believe than uh super metro yeah uh, significantly oh, shorter. super metro was even i didn't think it was even that long yeah, no. but it's still relatively shorter, and you know, Zero Mission's a good time. It's it's definitely okay. there is no reason to go back and play the original Metroid with Zero Mission around. I I kind of oh I kind of already figured that out. Just, yeah, I mean, I it, like, it completely that supplants the original Metroid. I feel like did, did Super Metroid already do that to some degree? Just in that it, I mean, I never played the original Metroid, but based on what mm-hmm. I've seen, it sounds like Super Metroid is superior in every way. Oh, yeah. totally. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's still a sequel, so it's not a, it's not the same game. It's not a replacement, remake, right, but, but it is com- it's better in every way than the okay. original Metroid. Yeah. Well, Imagine NES graphics, no map, <laughs> trying to figure out where to go. It's kind of like so, comparing Earthbound to Earthbound Zero or Earthbound Beginnings. So that actually reminds me of uh, another thing that bugged. You know, actually, this will actually I'll save that comment for later since um, since actually that ties well into one of Ash's topics. But <laughs> oh, okay, but well, the, the, tying into what you were saying about yeah. how playing each game is like, I've been actually working through the second Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney game, Justice for All. I've oh, been able to play it in a little bit, but I have played through the first case and I've. 
first two sections of the second case. Uh, only a four-case game, so I'll, I'll slowly get through that as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just as... I mean, the thing I've heard the most, because I kind of tweet about this uh, while I play, is a lot of people say that this is their least favorite game in the original trilogy, which strikes me as odd because the one I always heard about before this that nobody really likes is uh, Apollo Justice, mm-hmm. Ace Attorney. Well, but you said original trilogy. Exactly. Apollo, Apollo, yeah, that's, see, that's a fourth one. Yeah, it's, it's, it sort of ties in, but it was funny. Like Nobody said anything bad about Justice for All until I actually started playing, about, playing it. And from what I've experienced so far, it's all... It's still great uh, gameplay, but I'm still really early in, and I'm not quite sure how... It's going to uh, affect everything, but I, yeah, I've just really enjoyed it. Now, I know I don't think either of you two have actually played it. Played oh, I, I have. My, my, oh, my have? wife and I are seasoned Ace Attorney vets. We play <laughs> okay. the entire series. Okay, so what is? Would you agree with that assessment that Justice for All is your least favorite of the of the trilogy? We both would easily. Justice for All is far and away the worst of the original trilogy, and you're going to really? be hard pressed not to quit during the third case, which is probably the dumbest case in the entire series. That's the one um, I've heard about the most. But I got it. But the thing terrible. is, I love, I love uh, Von Karma. She is such a great prosecutor. Von Karma just is that little great. Bit. Yeah, like you, you see her when she shows up, and you because you know, spoiler alert for those who haven't played she's the daughter of the previous game's villain it's like oh my gosh it really feels like i'm fighting the final boss again because she's just so, such a hard ass i'm like oh crap do i have to go through the von karma crap again now, already in the second case and it's it's obviously not as bad you're still starting you out easy on this but it's i I've, i'm still liking what i played i'm very curious about this third case because everybody warns me about it but then everybody also says that the fourth case is really good that's what i was going to say is that even if justice for all is kind of middling throughout the, the last case in justice for all is fantastic the the villain is great and uh and and i was going to say about francisca she's great but you've probably already had people tell you that the prosecutor in the third game goto is one of the coolest characters of all time like you think francisca's great just wait until you get to trials and tribulations just wait uh, they I'm mean for justice it. wait oh god it never ends <laughs> it never ends this is the kind of premium experience people are now paying for that's true but yeah but uh, all i can say is derek is do not quit during the third case as bad no, as no, it is, i, I i've already it. actually purchased uh trials and tribulations oh, okay so cool i'm i'm determined to get through the ace attorney series and it was funny it was ace attorney six it was like it was that and the professor layton Cro- uh, versus phoenix wright game that got me into it oh nice okay and well, the funny thing is looking back at how i played uh the Ace Attorney sections during that crossover, boy, did I suck. Oh, really? <laughs> like, I understood nothing of what I was supposed to do. I just, I, I, It just never clicked for me. But then I played the first game, and all of a sudden everything was like, oh, right. now it all makes sense. This is a lot easier. Well, Trials and Tribulations is absolutely magnificent, so you will, once you get there, you are in for a treat. Okay. Well, what, are you playing any games on your free time, Ash? Yes, actually. I have been working my way through the uh, Uncharted Nathan Drake collection. I've been oh, playing, that's right. Uh, yeah, and I've okay. just been having a great time with it. I've been using the uh, official uh, PlayStation Pulse headphones, so I'll just be, you know, I've got these surround sound headphones playing through all three Uncharted games, and what a sublime experience. I mean, those headphones are great. So, but the, you know. So, clearly, you haven't reached uh, Uncharted 3 yet. <laughs> no, and see, and actually, I just finished. See, I, I played through one and two back in the PS3, so I just finished one and two again. Even though I'd already played them, I wanted to play them remastered, sixty frames per second, you know, all that jazz. So mm-hmm. they're still just as great as they were. Uncharted Two is sublime. 
I would say Uncharted 2 is one of the most well-paced games of all time. It's an absolute oh, yeah. masterclass in pacing. They did um, a really, that you cannot stop playing. Yeah. yeah. They did a great job. Like, I'm not generally a fan of purely action games, like shooter-focused action games mm-hmm. that, these days. Uh, and yet that game kept me, like, hooked the entire way through. Yeah. Well, and, and now um, I'm actually pretty excited because I now stand on the cusp of playing Uncharted 3 for the very first time. And I have heard so many things ranging from it's like the worst game worst sequel ever to oh it's super underrated it's actually really good so i'm looking forward to playing it and forming my own opinion at long last because i've never have played the third one my general thoughts on the third one it is i do think it's better than the first it's Mm -hmm. not as good as the second and there are elements that are really really good about it but there's also some things that I can see why people think it would it kind of falls apart in the end. Yeah, when you look at the entire experience, but I still think it's a really fun time, and they do expand on some of the things that two introduced. But I don't think it reaches it doesn't reach that magnificent pacing and uh, constant build up that uh, two had. Okay, but I, I still I think it's good, but I, it's definitely not as good not as good as two. Still better than the first because the first feels so like after playing two and three, the first one feels so. I don't know, uneventful, I guess. Mm-hmm. I still, you know, even playing through the first one again after having played through two back in the PS3, I actually had a great time. Maybe it's because of the remastered elements. I mean, the first game has never looked so great. I mean, it already looked pretty good, but you know, ha- having it run in 60 frames, you know, new textures, the first game looks beautiful on the PS4 version, and I still had a good time with it. Oh, two yeah, is undoubtedly superior, but yeah. Yeah, two... Two is fantastic. Like you're making me kind of just want. Like we talked about this. Like when you were visiting just a week or two ago. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, oh, I want to play two again. So this two was a fantastic experience. <laughs> well, we got to catch up because Uncharted Four is coming out soon. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Is it's the perfect time for me because honestly, Uncharted Four might be my most anticipated game of the year, or if it's not, it's one of them. So mm-hmm. I'm more than super more than Zelda Wii U. Just because we don't know anything about Zelda Wii U yet. Once we yeah. learn more about it, that probably will either you know rival or maybe replace it. But yeah. as it stands, Uncharted 4 is looking so good. I'm so excited about it. April's looking like a great month between Uncharted 4, Ratchet & Clank, uh, the new Ratchet & Clank game, which I love that series yeah. so much. And uh, isn't that also the month that Star Fox Zero comes out? Sure is. Wait, oh, April? For, yeah, for yeah, whoever yeah. remembers yeah. it at this point, but yeah, sure is. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that's good, uh, but th- that's yeah. still a pretty decent month as far as April's concerned. Mm-hmm. It is, it is. It's going to be. So, before we move on here, uh, I have been playing one other game, or attempted to, at least, is that I started playing The Witness. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay. Yep. I've been hearing so much about that. I was actually a pretty big fan of Braid. Like, I played, God, that came out almost, what, ten years ago now? Wow, uh, yeah, it I, did. I think, yeah. Yeah. And I, I quite enjoyed it. Like, and so I, I was, and everything I had heard about the witness, like, had me intrigued. I'm like, all right, this, this, I, I like what they're doing with this. I like how he has an idea, and I really like, I admire his commitment to this game. Jonathan Blow's commitment to this game. He's been working on it since Braid, basically. Blew all his money. They made off Braid, which is a ton and more on this game, and thankfully, thankfully it seems to be doing well. Um, with that said, I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I'll, I don't know how much you guys know about the game. Have you have you guys tried it at all yet? I know it's puzzle based. I know it looks pretty, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. I watched uh, Giant Bombs ha- hands on with it, and as soon as I saw that it was a puzzle game or a puzzle focus game, I pretty much lost interest just because I'm not really into puzzle games. So I- I'm sure it's fantastic if you're into puzzles, but I am not. It's weird. So. But I I am into puzzles to some degree, but uh, like I like I like puzzle games. Like I like Tetris. I like um. Uh, or even like you know, uh, uh, Picross, 
games of that nature. I also like games that have puzzling elements. This game might be a little bit too heavy, though, on these, what, at this point, are, like, individual puzzles. Like, so far, every puzzle is based around, like, line mazes, basically. You're trying to get these, uh, these, uh, lines through, essentially, a maze. And they are puzzling, and apparently the game, from what I understand, I, don't worry, there's no spoilers, but I don't know anything beyond the first couple hours. Uh, but I have heard there are some, like, major events that happen later on that, I guess, provide, I don't know, I, I have no no anything about it, but I think it gives, like, better context to what I'm doing. The problem for me right now is, like, I'm solving these puzzles, and they're not necessarily hard at this point, I'm sure they will get harder, and there have been a couple that trip me up. I'm just not finding them rewarding, really. Like, I solve it, and I'm like, okay... Like, I solved it. It wasn't fun to solve. Like, I'm not enjoying solving these puzzles. It's about the journey, not the destination. God. Well, that's, that's what I'm concerned about. Like, the journey's not fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. The, journey, the journey's not fun. Um, and if the destination is awesome, great. I don't know if I want to spend the time to get there at this point. So, I want to give it another go. I want to, you know, sit down. I was pretty tired when I was playing it, I think. Um, so, I want to try some more. But I'm just not sure if I'm feeling it right now. So... The thing that made me very nervous is when I heard somebody compare it to it's like a modern mist. And I played mist for like I went to a friend's house and they had mist and I was like tried it out. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. This makes no sense. And I don't yeah. know how anybody beat that game before the internet. It is so obtuse. And I'm I hear this and I'm like yeah, I'm good. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, I played Mist. I don't need to play it again. I mean, Mist was a kind of a one of a kind experience back in the day, but it's not really an experience that I care to repeat necessarily. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think The Witness just kind of isn't uh, on my radar because of the kind of game it is. But I certainly appreciate that it does what it does well. Well, and to to Mist credit is, I did like how they switched it up constantly. As far as I know, I never actually fully played it myself, but I've seen a lot of it, and every puzzle did seem to be different. Um, here, it's the same basic idea. Uh, they just iterate or change it slightly. And again, I'm speaking for the first few hours. I have no idea how things evolve down the line. Um, but I, I don't know. I feel like the sense of satisfaction I'm getting from each puzzle in this game isn't as satisfying as it might be in Mist. But again, I haven't played Mist, so I'm just going off what I've seen of it. So, mm. Well, on a slightly related note, I have just recently started playing Undertale. Uh, oh! Because I, and I'm super late on that, I know, and I'm sure a lot of listeners are like, what's wrong with him? He hasn't played Undertale yet. Um, it's just honestly a lack of time, and you know, I was kind of just waiting on it, and then I saw this three-second snippet, literally three-second snippet from the pacifist-run true final battle, and I immediately turned it off, and I was like, wait, this music, this scenario, everything that's going on, this is a game that people are right about, I'm going to love this, it's exactly the kind of game I love, i got to play it. So I've now started playing Undertale, I of course I have not play the whole game yet, but I am quite excited to see. I, I feel like I know a little too much about it for it to truly surprise me, which is kind of a shame. Mm-hmm. But yeah, at the same that's time, what I'm trying. To, I, I'm like I'm walking on eggshells listening to you talk about Undertale, <laughs> Undertale right now. Actually, well, I'm not. I'm not yeah, going to spoil I'm, anything at all. I'm, I'm starting it soon. Uh, yeah, and I don't know really anything about it. And uh, you know, okay. Yeah. Well, this is a this. perfect segue into our news topics, <laughs> where we're going to discuss some of the news that we didn't touch on in our discussion. Some of the smaller news uh, that aren't really worth a full discussion, but I still want to talk about them, or at least some of us do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of, this new, one, one of the news uh, pieces that came out recently, not really a news piece, but uh, are, is the fact that there are hints of that Undertale might be coming to the Wii U. Um, I don't know all the full details. I think you know better than I, Derek. But I think someone from uh, Nintendo of America tried getting a hold of uh, the Undertale developers. You know, uh, so developer. People, it was made deve- by one guy. Oh, just one, one guy. guy wow. Yeah, Toby Fox. And now uh, people are wondering now if like if this could mean the game's going to come to the Wii U. Well, the funny thing is, is uh, according to his Twitter, he said that 
Nintendo actually had gotten contact him months before that uh, Twitter message, which makes it even funnier that they tried to get in contact with him like that. But yeah, yeah that's, that's like how Nintendo does all communications is through Twitter now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and so basically, he's looking. You know, they are interested in getting Undertale on the Wii U, which is a brilliant idea. Oh yeah, that uh, just seems like a perfect. That seems like a good fit. I mean, it's be a good fit in any con- uh, console. That's just a good. It's just a good idea considering how big this game is. But the problem is the way he programmed it. It was in some sort of programming language that is not easy to transfer from PC to consoles or anything like that. You basically have to redo the entire thing, which is what Nintendo would be potentially helping him out with because you got because of the new development cycle, you got new bugs that you got to worry about and quality control and everything else. It's I think it's part of the reason why um, the uh, oh um, Freedom Planet had trouble getting to the Wii U mm-hmm. is because of that same sort of system. Uh, but people are interested in helping him out because uh, a uh, another developer, um, Broken Rules, who helped port uh, Guacamelee, Black, and Electronic Superjoy to the Wii U, is offering to do the same and help him out. So it seems like a lot of people like want to come together and work on this and try to make Undertale on Wii U happen, which would be a really good idea. I'm awesome. all about it. I mean, it's already the kind of, I mean, even you can play it for the first 30 minutes and it already feels like the kind of game that you would want to play on a Nintendo system because obviously the there are a lot of aesthetic comparisons to be made to Earthbound. So it just feels like a, a game you'd want to play on a, on a Nintendo console. And as it stands, Undertale is probably the first and last game I'll, I'm likely to buy on Steam because I'm almost exclusively a console gamer, not a PC gamer. But I would be happy to repurchase Undertale for the experience of playing it on my TV screen. With a with a proper controller. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. Actually, that's why I'm hoping that like the like I wish I had a way of playing the witness not on my PC. But I really don't like playing games on the computer. Just like yeah. just with my setup yeah. and everything. I just I prefer playing on a console. Um, not because I feel like it's inherently superior. Like a lot of people like my you know like <laughs> you know it's like it, the PC whole, master race. Yeah, exactly. The, yeah. The whole, there's that whole mess. Uh, just, mm-hmm. I just prefer playing on it, it just from I, a comfort standpoint. So yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I would love to get, get that game a try. And it does seem to be a perfect fit, Ash. And it's funny you mentioned Earthbound because <laughs> some other news came out this week. Uh, I, this is a, a big rumor, of course, from Emily Rogers, but she had teased, um, you know, that idea of Mother Three coming to uh, to uh, you know being released this year outside of Japan. Now the thing is, she kind of like backtracked on that. But before she did, other people came out and basically confirmed that they had heard the exact same thing. Yeah. And so at this point, it sounds like the cat's out of the bag. I would be very surprised if this doesn't end up happening at this point. And the, this is this is ultimately huge freaking news. Like this is awesome. Like I'm mm-hmm. I'm really excited for this. Like this is actually happening. It's about freaking time. Well, this is <laughs> something that that people thought would never happen. It's I mean, I straight those, up said yeah. that in our 2016 of the year discussion. Like I was making fun of you, Ash, for yeah. thinking it would happen. <laughs> and at this point, I might have to uh, I might have to eat crow. I might be wrong. And I think I even said then. There's nothing I'd, I'd be happier to be wrong about because this would be fantastic yeah. if they actually released a localized version of this game. Well, I, I think what I said was that you know there's really been you know Nintendo has now they created a precedent when they when they localized Earthbound Beginnings or at least released Earthbound Beginnings I should say and called it that and really even bothered to do it because why bother doing Mother One if you're not going to bother doing Mother Three eventually? So that was my kind of thought on it. I said you know if it's ever going to happen, 
2016 is the year because mm-hmm. there's now precedent. It, it also doesn't happen in 2016. Not going to happen. But it looks mm-hmm. like I might have been right. So I hope so because I definitely I would love that would I would love to be right about that. Of all things, that would be a great thing to be right about. <laughs> I mean, people <laughs> still remember the joke that from. Uh, Nintendo's E3 presser in a couple years uh, ago, I think yeah. it was 2014, where they made fun of like the fans saying, "Where's Mother 3? Yeah. and you know all that. They know people want this game, yep. and they, you know, I, I suspect almost maybe Beginnings was a way to test the water waters or you know, just get an idea of what people want, or maybe just a step or a stopgap until they were able to fully work on Mother 3? I don't know, but it it does seem like something that's just inevitable at this point, uh, even beyond just these rumors. Like, I didn't need these rumors to know that Nintendo was probably working on this. Really? Well, I just, so, I, I, I totally feel the opposite way. Like, I mean, that's why I said in the 2016 year of the year discussion. I didn't think, I also didn't think it was going to happen, at least anytime soon. You know, 100 years from now, who freaking knows? But, <laughs> um, it's only because of these rumors that I do believe are credible. Uh, that I think it has a chance of happening because this is such this I don't know this isn't something Nintendo usually does. This is very much outside their their wheelhouse. I think of in terms of what they normally do, and it's awesome that they're doing this that they're providing support. Uh, you know, for for the series as well as the Wii U. I guess if it does in fact come to the Wii U as rumored. Well, and I feel like at this point it's almost a, a, a case of why not because it's not like they had to spend money on packaging it and shipping it to retailers. This is something they can do for minimum uh, or you know, minimal amount of effort and uh, and budget. I mean, all they really have to do is translate it and you know do whatever they normally do to prepare it for the virtual console. But they're not t- we're not talking about a physical game here. So at this point, you know they have the technology to say you know why not do it because it's going to make a wide swath of fans happy at you know minimal cost to them. So really, why not? Well, I mean that's true, but it's it's all relative, right? It is minimal well, yeah. cost compared to making a new game? Sure, sure. But you know, if they still have to translate a ton of text, it is a lot of text. Yeah, and and, and that kind of that uh, speaks to I'm I'm kind of interested. Assuming this is happening, I'm really interested in what if any changes will be made to it because I played through the translation patch. Like I played Mother Three; it's a great game, but it's pretty dark and it deals with some interesting thematic elements that I would be surprised if Nintendo didn't tweak for the release here. I hope they don't, given what the thematic elements I'm talking about are. I don't want to spoil anything, but it's just interesting, because it definitely deals with some adult stuff that mm-hmm. Earthbound doesn't necessarily. It does in its own way, but Earthbound's a dark game, but I would say Mother 3 is more of an adult game, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. And well, another thing is, is, is as much of a following as this game has gotten, I mean, Mother 3 is basically legendary, and for good reason. It's a great game. But I'm wondering if when I played it, I was surprised by how much how unlike Earthbound it is. Like, I'm, I'm wondering if people are expecting another Earthbound, because if, if they are, that's not what they're going to get. And not in a bad way. Mother 3, again, is a great game, but it's not like Earthbound. And I'm kind of curious to see what people are going to think about that. Well, I'm kind of curious if you can maybe elaborate on that a little bit without spoiling anything. Like, um, it, it feel it's a much more personal story. It's a much the, the story is on a much smaller scale. It feels okay. like like Earthbound mm-hmm. feels like this giant grand adventure, and it you does, feel yeah. like by the end of the game, you've literally traveled the world. You feel like you've gone on this world spanning adventure, and it it feels long and meaty. Mother Three is it's longish, but it but the adventure is on a much smaller scale. Like you're that you're traveling a lot less. You're visiting locations that are much closer to where you start out in. So. I don't know. It's just, it's a much more personal, much more intimate story than than Earthbound, okay. is what I mean. Hmm. Oh, well, I mean, color yeah. me intrigued. 
Yeah, I, mean, I it's great, purposely though. stayed away from the translation patch just because I want to experience the game for myself on a console or yeah. you know, you know, all that. I mean, granted, I still need to play through Earthbound Beginnings and Earthbound itself, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. You know? <laughs> Man, I tried playing that game uh, using an emulator, and I it, I couldn't because at the time, and I, I still don't think it's been resolved. There was no perfect way of playing that game because the battles have that. Yeah. Have that uh, that music based mechanic, right? Where you time it to the beat, mm-hmm. and you do. I, I think you do. You do more damage, right? And mm-hmm. that straight up does not work on emulators. Like you can't it play it. Yeah. And so I knew, like, so I'm very much like a purist when it comes to my games. Like I want to play the game as it was meant to be played, like as it was envisioned, envisioned by the by the creators. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm getting a suboptimal experience by trying to play an emulated version. Screw this. I'm out. I'll wait for it to <laughs> hopefully eventually be translated. And well, I agree. The, the, I just think back then I never thought there was hope that it would actually come outside Japan. So I just figured, well, this is it's not going to happen. It's a wash, so let's just play it however I can. Yeah. But now that it's happening, I'm super happy to play it all over again the way it was meant to be played. Now, here's a question. Do you, do you want them – do you think they're going to retranslate it themselves? Or do you think they might use the translation patch at least as a base? Because – uh, before normal, I, I had said that they did it before. I think they I, they would translate it themselves. However, some people have noted that the person, I think the creator of the translation patch, if I if I've read correctly, has been suspiciously silent on these rumors. Like he said nothing. Oh, I so hadn't some, heard about that. So <laughs> some people are wondering if that's because he's involved, obviously under NDA, and wouldn't comment on these at all. That would or maybe he just doesn't so want to get flooded. <laughs> Uh, that I would just surprise me, given, given all all the obvious legal issues with Nintendo using, you know, an unofficial translation. I just I feel like that's just a that's just inviting disaster. I, I would be I would be shocked if they were not translating it themselves. So I mean, I so that was my argument too. But whether they just patch them up, like whether they purchase yeah. a script or it's possible. I I mean I don't know what all legal issues would be involved, but maybe they were able to get the rights to, or maybe they were able to use him, you know, to help. You know, uh, provide a different translation. For instance, that he had a strong understanding. I mean, I have no idea. Yeah. I feel like it's something that would maybe, do. In maybe Turtle, he but... translates it again just with getting Nintendo's guidelines. Right. Yeah, yeah, that could be. Yeah, I mean, it's possible that that he's involved. I mean, that would be pretty cool then to work with a fan like that. Um, yeah. It just seems that seems to be against general practice, not just for Nintendo, but for video game companies in general. Mm-hmm. You know, you just you just open up a lot of legal floodgates when you work with fans on official products. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of one of the things that uh, led to the demise of Mega Man Legends 3 as well. So it's just, it's kind of gets tricky when, you, when you're working with fans on an official release, but hey, it's possible. It's not unprecedented, though, because with Dragon Ball Xenoverse, the localization team actually went out of their way to do something for American fans, and that's have one of the voice options of the male characters be uh, one of the people that work with, uh, the, one of the voice actors from... Uh, Team Four Stars Dragon Ball Z abridged, and they had the entire creative team come in there to supervise on the lines, uh, change it however they needed to, and they followed along with it. And uh, they got it, they never came out and said that this character is based on this you know version of the character from that abridged the abridged series. But they did it was one of the voice options you could have, and it was quite obvious where the. Uh, inspirations came from so hmm. it's not unheard of that you can have crossovers like that between fans and developers because obviously J- the japanese developers or you know had to get the the american localization team had to get the uh, approval from the japanese developers mm-hmm. to do that sort of thing 
And the Nintendo hired him temporarily, like as a contractor. He's technically an employee now, not just a fan. So, well, true. And this is Mother Three in general. If it is coming outside of Japan, it is nothing if not for the fans. So, mm, it yeah. would, in that sense, it would kind of make a certain bit of poetic sense. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely, that's a good point. Mm. All right. Um, other news that came out. So, uh, Derek, you recently played through much of Detective Pikachu. Yeah, <laughs> until I was stupid and th- didn't realize I didn't save properly. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Basically, what happened was when you start a new game, you have the option. There's two options, the top option and the bottom option. The top option is to erase your previous save and just get this as the new save point. The bottom option is to continue without saving. I chose the second option because I figured that was the proper one to go with that wasn't you know i don't know what i was thinking i just thought that was the <laughs> proper one to choose mm-hmm. so i finish up all this stuff with detective pikachu for that stream and i go to restart it to see if i can oh. do some more with it and i'm back at the very beginning and i'm like ah oh, crap but detective pikachu itself fun game i'm actually like if you like the best way i can compare it to is if you like adventure games like uh monkey island or um or, uh, you know, those Sierra-type games. Like uh, King's or, or, Quest or something? Exactly. Like, it's yeah, not yeah. as involved as those. But right. you're still gathering items, talking to people, and it's it's like a combination between the adventure games and like the investigations from Ace Attorney. And f- to me, it works. It really does. I don't know. It's, it has such a great art style. It is charming as hell. And I really enjoyed it I, I had a lot of fun with it i really hope it gets localized and the reason we brought this up as news is the game's only about five hours long like i i think i was actually one case away from beating the game but it ends with the to be continued so it's this is going to be an episodic series mm-hmm. and i guess the question is is if they localize it do you think they'll make it like localize each episode or will they wait and have a physical release or physical slash de- uh, digital release when they put it put it out in other regions, I guess it kind of depends on if, if they think it can be profitable outside of Japan in an episodic format. If they don't, then I guess they would might just wait and collect it all in one in one go. But if they think they can make money off the episodic format outside of Japan, why not? I mean, Pikachu is universal; everyone loves Pikachu. I mean, and he's recognizable everywhere. So I have little doubt that Detective Pikachu is going to eventually come outside of Japan. It's just a matter of what form it'll take. I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe they'll do both. Why yep. not release it episodically yeah. and then a combined package later on? I mean, I think given the fact that uh, t- uh, Tall Tale has had such success with their line of games, which is basically the exact same thing, mm-hmm. um, I-, I see no reason for Nintendo not to test the waters here with this game and see what happens. Or, I guess more specifically, the Pokemon companies, as it seems like they're operating more and more independently these days. <laughs> <laughs> well, so- and, you know, Nintendo themselves uh, just did that, the same thing, really, with uh, Fire Emblem Fates. You, you can buy it episodically oh, as it comes out, or you can wait a little bit and get all three episodes later on in one card. Point. So it wouldn't be unprecedented. So it's an interesting idea. This isn't something we've really seen Nintendo try uh, up until recently. Uh, although, again, I guess in this case it is a Pokemon company, which they really just seem to be doing like their own thing these days. Like It seems like what I, what I like about them is they're not afraid to try new things. Like with between Pokemon Go, um, they have a freaking Pokemon Super Shuffle. Bowl commercial, <laughs> Pokemon Shuffle. Like they've been doing all kinds of stuff over the last few years, releasing the, uh, having the whole card game being playable online. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so they're definitely trying some new things, and it seems like they're really exploring new 
new avenues among this one. Who would have ever expected a talking Pikachu game? Well, that's who would have ever thought it would come back after how long? That's the yeah. bigger question. We like yeah. just just a week or two before we you had your we had our tw- or you had the Pokemon discussion yeah um, for their anniversary, and I think you all thought it was dead. Yeah, Emil brought it up, and we were like, "That's not coming back." Because when we all saw it, we all everybody agreed that was horrifying. <laughs> it was so grotesque seeing Pikachu emote like that. But somehow they found a way to just really emphasize the animation style. And again, I cannot. I love the style they came in. The graphics are so amazingly. They good. look really good they, for they a look, 3DS game. They look impressive. Yeah, really impressive for a 3DS game. I think it helps because they're focusing on the characters. I think more than anything. Yes. Um. The, the environments aren't super detailed, from what I remember. But the characters, they look great. That's yeah, what matters and, here. And there's only like I think, uh, probably like maybe five dedicated areas with a couple separate screens. Yeah. You know, you got the, the park, you got the street, you got the detective agency, you got the father's apartment, you got the cave, and then whatever comes next of the cafe. There's not a whole lot of environments in there, so they have all this ability to just stuff it with details. And I think there's, like, with the amount of attention it's gotten and the amount of people who just, like, are interested in this game... They'd be fools not to localize it. Mm-hmm. Well, now now that you've played it, Derek, you probably have a pretty good idea in your head as to what Pikachu should sound like should it come over here. So have you gone to change.org yet and signed that let Danny DeVito voice Pikachu? Uh, you know what? Yet? I wasn't sure about the whole Danny DeVito <laughs> thing until I watched that fan video of him putting – like people putting lines into Pikachu's mouth and like, uh-huh. you know what? I can kind of see it now. After watching that, <laughs> really? wow. that's how I can kind of see it. it was like, that's funny. Okay. Um, I was, was surprised by I don't know while playing it. Did you get an LA noir vibe at all? Just because like the general idea, the setting, and the fact that um, they have the, like the really elaborate facial capture. Like it really reminded me of that game <laughs> a little bit, but obviously not in quite the same way. The thing I was surprised about was the violence toward Pokemon in this game. <laughs> really, I yeah. love how it looks like the monkey Pokemon. I know people are going to get on me. Yes, I don't know any of the Pokemon beyond one fifty one. It looks like you're straight up shot. Like, yeah. it looks like has, in... like, got ketchup on his paw, yep. and it looks like he has this bloody paw that he's, on, uh, that he's on. And I love how, like, you're investigating the whole, the crime scene of him, of him being rolled over, and all you do is, like, plop him over to his stomach. Like, it's like, what? It is like a corpse. You just sort of plop him over. Like, there's no care involved. You're not trying to heal him at all. He's just out. There's That's a there's a Burmy that gets hit by a soccer ball. Uh, <laughs> there's um, a, Glace, a, a Glalie that uh, gets knocked over the head with a rock. It's just like there's so do, much. Do any like, Pokemon actually die in the game? No. Oh, okay. There's no there's no actual Pokemon deaths, but it's just yeah. it's actually kind of funny to see all these Pokemon just have these sort of bad things happen to them. It's like yeah. oh gosh, it is it is. It, I don't know. It's amusing to see that sort of thing. <laughs> It's you're amusing to see bad your... things happening happening to Pokemon. Just let me make make it clear that's what you're saying, right? Because <laughs> it's it's something you're not used to. Like you're used to fainting him because you have this detective mystery. You have this detective thing. You're like, I do want to see a mur- Pokemon murder mystery. Kind of like Derek that. would be a vicious Pokemon trainer. Vicious. <laughs> wow, this bad loves... thing just happened to him. That's kind of funny. Let's see it happen again. <laughs> Everybody loves the Paper Mario Penguin murder mystery. That's true. That's true. Actually, that was true. That was fantastic. That I'm was thinking really the same thing with this Pokemon stuff. Like, they make well, us think what, they're dead. And When you put it that way, that sounds awesome. But that actually is legitimately one of my favorite chapters from Paper Mario. I thought they did mm-hmm. such a great job there. I think part of it for me is I just love mysteries. Like, yeah. they keep me hooked. Like, if it's a good mystery, it'll keep me engaged. 
And they have the whole game based around that. I, and that first case was actually rather clever how they figured it out and exactly what happened. To and you're saying this without even knowing what you know, without even being able to read Japanese. So imagine when you can actually understand. Yeah, what when, when, I, yeah when really. I like, I don't know how you figured it out vocally, but just seeing like the end result of exactly how right. you solve it, that was good. And then you have a more traditional puzzle element where you're just sort of trying to solve puzzles in order to get out of this cave. Mm-hmm. And who knows what the third mission's like? But yeah, I like how they don't keep it to any one thing it's not always the same type of missions even though you're doing kind of the same thing it all kind of works and it's just so much great personality to it all right well another news piece that came out this week not really a big deal but there was some elaboration on the deal universal studios has with nintendo uh being the fact that we already knew universal uh is working with nintendo on making um themed attractions and uh other things of that of that nature uh and it's been you know, a lot of people have been assuming it's for the Florida parks because uh, the original press release, I believe, did come from Universal Studios Orlando. Mm. Uh, but now we found out that the deal also applies to Universal Studios in Japan as well, um, which, of course, is Nintendo's home home turf, of course, so it makes a lot of sense. And I just thought that was pretty cool. Like, I think for a couple of reasons. One, um, theme parks in Japan are pretty awesome. Disneyland, like Disneyland Japan or Tokyo, Tokyo Disneyland is awesome. And I've never been to Universal Studios there. I've heard it's similarly impressive. And I, I think also ha- increasing the scope of this deal is just exciting in the fact that it shows Nintendo's taking this very seriously, so is Universal. And um, I think it's another, another great way for Nintendo to increase the reach of their, of their demographic, like a better way of reaching out to people who maybe not necessarily would pay attention to Nintendo otherwise. And I, I just think like it's an awesome fit. Like I'm a huge theme park fan, mm-hmm. and, a more, and having the, the ability to ride a Nintendo ride appeals to me so much. <laughs> oh, so yeah. the big question is, would you if there was a difference between Universal Orlando and Universal Japan Oh yeah, I'm making a comparison video. You gotta go to Japan just so you could ride that ride. Oh so, hell, Andre, is, what is, you're that's your question, that, hell yeah. So Andre what you're saying is that Game Explain is gonna pay for all three of us to go to every version <laughs> of the Nintendo theme park around the world. And it's, it's game explains and pay for all of it. That's awesome. Oh man, I, we, we, we might need some of our Patreon backers. With <laughs> yeah, that right. one. Help us go to Disney uh, to Universal. Yep. <laughs> well, I've actually been to Universal Studio Osaka or Studios Osaka, and I can definitely say that uh, it is much different than the Universal Studios here in America. It's much more interesting. Well, I actually got to go to, during the Attack on Titan exhibit okay. thing. Giant, like I, I can't even describe to you. These are actually life-size titans. If you ever really? seen the anime. They're that big, but they're life-size statues of titans fighting. And I could only imagine how, how cool that would be with Nintendo stuff. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds pretty cool. Um, maybe they... So you're saying you're, they're setting it up for a... Uh, for life-size uh, Bowser from Mario Galaxy 2. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go, I'll yeah. Think, I'll think more uh, Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That'd be awesome. <laughs> that would Should be... I actually climb on the Colossus? Right. That would be that's awesome. not Nintendo. <laughs> the only problem I have with this is that, okay, great. So Florida's getting it. Osaka's getting it. I live in Los Angeles, right. literally five miles away from a Universal Studios that sucks as in its current <laughs> state. It's a, it's a crappy theme park in its current state. It needs Nintendo, but it's oh, not coming man. here. Why? I am so... I am still conflicted on Universal Studios Hollywood because, like, I, I like it because they're trying so hard. Like, they're just they're trying. They're trying. But you know what? They, 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 they have a Ben and Jerry's. That's they they win points for that. <laughs> but so, I don't I don't need to put, buy a ticket to go to Ben and Jerry's. I yeah. can just go to the City Walk and get ice cream and leave. 
I mean, the, the thing with that park is it wasn't even built as a park originally. That's true. Like, it's yeah. part of a working studio, and they've been basically building like a Frankenstein monster over the years. <laughs> they really like, have. They, they have a literal escalator in that park, like like what seems like a mile long escalator to get you from one half of the park to the other. But they had no more room above, and somehow they found room now to build a new Harry Potter land up there. Um, like they are essentially landlocked, and that's what is concerning. Is what does it mean for Nintendo there? Like, is there room? Like, is there anything they can do for Nintendo uh, left in this park? And I hope so, because it's going to be a giant pain in the ass for me to fly to Florida every time I want to go on Mario Kart the ride. Um, <laughs> because I can drive down to LA in a few hours. Exactly. So, what do you already do for I, Disneyland? Like, yeah, I have an annual pass to Disneyland. Yeah. So, I, if I so I would love to get an annual pass for Universal Studios as well and go on all the Nintendo rides. So, I'm otherwise, I'm not be close to, to either of these. <laughs> Closer to, to the, the Florida one, headquarters but. to Florida, so yeah. Sorry, what Derek? What did you say? I'm in Pennsylvania. I'm not close to either of these. I you got what Hershey Park, little, right? Yeah, Hershey Park. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> A lot of great roller coasters, but that's about it. Yep. Uh, speaking of Nintendo's plans to expand, we actually, uh, from their recent investor meeting, heard a little bit more about their quality of life in that they have no news to talk about with their quality of life. I was like, we didn't really hear more. We just heard kind of oh, nothing. Man. Is that the next, uh, the next? what was that sensor thing called? We oh, Relax the, or whatever? The, finger, the heart rate uh, sensor, right? Yeah. The heart, yeah. Basically, what was it even called? I forget. I don't remember. Um, I don't know. I, like, I, I, like, at this point, I, I am starting to question if quality of life will ever fully happen. Or at least, I mean, I don't know. I, maybe, maybe it will. Maybe they'll follow through. It could be the new Mother 3. Um, <laughs> I am starting to question, though, it. if it's... Like, I feel like it might be something they'll fall back on if the NX completely bombs. If the NX does okay... They might just drop it completely. I mean, I don't know what to expect at this point. I mean, who knows? Maybe they, maybe they all announce it before the NX. Even I'm not sure. So. It, just, it just it feels like vaporware, and it just feels it like something yeah. that Nintendo doesn't. It just doesn't seem like where their that's where their focus is right now. And it doesn't I mean, because really it's need not to be. it's nothing they have any experience with really. I mean, they've yeah. had Wii Fit, they've had, but that completely fell off a cliff. Um, you know, they had a brief period of time where they may have been able to capitalize on it, and maybe. To their credit, Nintendo is best at coming out from left field with a wild idea, and it does well. It just it, it feels like such a competitive space based on what little we know, and something Nintendo has really no 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 space in currently. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean it, it seems to make more sense to me that to just focus on their core business of games and expanding into mobile games, which they're more, already doing. More specifically, entertainment. Entertainment, like yeah, entertainment. Sure. And they said they've said as much, and that t- that ties in the whole universal thing. That, you know, games are entertainment. So that automatically is an easy way to tie in other prop or other t- forms of media. Yeah, I don't. Quality of life is such a left field thing for them to do. Um, you know, like even we fit like that tied into their game ecosystem. Like that was a really cool, really smart idea. Yeah. Um, I, I don't and, know. And, they're, and they're actually they are good at this tech. I mean, that pedometer that came with uh, Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver has been tested to be one of the most accurate pedometers ever released. Yeah. Huh, it's, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it is it is amazingly accurate. And, wow. uh, you know, Nintendo is good at this sort of stuff. And they're not, they, Kimishima has said that they're not giving up on it. They're just sort of looking at the other possibilities. But what they've come up with so far, it looks like they're not satisfied with. They don't think mm-hmm. they can make it work. Um, so I guess they're just back to the drawing board at this I point. Mean, th- I mean, I, I, I credit them for that because... You know, right now, every, all the rage is about heartbeat sensors, mm-hmm. and I don't know. Like, I'm maybe maybe I'm the one who's off base here. Like to me, like that seems like such an immature technology. Like from what I've heard, like those sensors are completely inaccurate. Um, I guess they can give you like a rough 
a rough idea comparatively of like you compared to yourself but in terms of like actually being like giving you an accurate reading they're not accurate at all like you need like a chest strap from where I understand for that. <laughs> well, my, my friend has one of those uh, things on his wrist that they you can measure his sleep times or whatever, and he raves about it, and I listen to it, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, what's the benefit of this? Like, you keep track of your sleep. Good job. <laughs> what does that do for you? I, I, really I don't know. Don't Maybe, know. you know what? I haven't tried it. Maybe it does work for them. I had a friend that tried a sleep app, too, and he said that he, he thought it was helping him sleep. Uh, maybe it does. I feel like we're in a weird I want to say placebo effect. <laughs> well, that's, that, I feel yeah. like that's kind of the area we're kind of in right now. Where it almost seems like like pseudo technology at this point, where uh, there's like all this rage around all these new fitness devices, and I'm not sure they actually really do anything. Like I I don't know. Maybe they do. I mean, <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. To be fair, I'm not. I'm not like in peak fitness either. So maybe I could <laughs> use one. But that's but, um, but, but the, that's the other thing is that it's not really we're not really the target demographic because thankfully none of us are unhealthy enough to need one of those. Like we're you know, we're all thankfully <laughs> relatively young and healthy. So. Yeah. I, we need to I think it makes sense that we don't now. really care about a heartbeat sensor, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, so I actually am intrigued by the very idea of it. It's just like the limitations of, te- of the technology right now. Like, even mm-hmm. the Apple Watch, from what I understand, isn't that accurate. Yeah, I've um, heard that too. So, yeah, I don't know. I think there is there is compelling use there, and, you know, maybe, maybe Nintendo will figure it out. Like, I think, I mean, for Nintendo... I think they need to find some way to basically, and I hate the word, but to gamify it, right? They need to find some way of making uh, this quality of life initiative entertaining. And that would tie into their whole entertainment you know, idea. The whole They are an entertainment company. So if they can find some way to tie it all in together, maybe they're onto something. It's just that based on what we've heard. I mean, you know, PlayCoins are a good start. I, I do was, like the yeah. idea of PlayCoins. It was up to, you know, third-party developers to make good use of them, and some of them have. I think ultimately PlayCoins kind of fell flat, but I like the idea of them. I'm totally with you. It, it was a really good idea, but kind of like a lot of the things Nintendo focuses on, or rather a lot of things Nintendo does, they don't focus on it, and it just kind of goes away. Like, I I probably haven't thought about PlayCoins in years. So. Yeah. I mean, I guess because I'm such a Street Pass enthusiast, I, I do sometimes use PlayCoins, but yeah, if you're not into Street Pass, you have to be playing very specific games to get any mm-hmm. use out of PlayCoins. I'm trying to think of the last game that really used PlayCoins that much. I know there was one. Uh, Animal Crossing used it kinda. Yeah. Stella Glow the, the actually uses them. Surprisingly yeah. and randomly, Stella Glow uses them. Not very interestingly, but it does use them. Yeah, it's it's very odd. Yeah, uh, we'll see what happens here. Um, Nintendo. I mean, Nintendo is going trying all kinds of new things recently, and 2016 is a whole new year for them. So. So we'll see. Uh, any other news, guys, that you want to touch on or before uh, well, we move on to our topic? There's, there's some non-Nintendo stuff that I find kind of interesting. Um, just offhand, this is just me fanboying out. Uh, Valkyria Chronicles Remastered is actually coming to the United States. That is my favorite. Val- the original Valkyria Chronicles is my favorite game on the PS3. I am psyched about this. I cannot wait to buy it again because I want to support that series. And I really hope we get uh, Azure Res- Revolution, which is the newest game in the series. Me too, uh, I, yeah. I, I love that game series, and I. I Cannot recommend it enough to people who enjoy strategy games. And so, yeah, that's a game ones. that's kind of like a uh, codename Steam, right? Or rather, codename Steam was similar to it. Right? Yes, because okay. what you could do is you had this, you had a map that you could look over uh, throughout the time time, and you had like little dots. And rather than choose where to go, you picked your dot, and each character could move a certain amount of. Um, uh, a certain distance, and you had to basically position yourself based on that, and then you could use your uh, weapons and uh, 
go through all that. So it became, rather than a grid-based system for your turn-based strategy, it became much more open and having to decide on things and each person had their own sort of uh, weaknesses and strengths and whatnot. And even even, even aiming uh, came down to this strategy because you could have a sniper and aim against that head and you have a less likely chance of actually hitting them because it's a smaller target. But if you do hit their head, it's going to be a critical hit. Or you can go for the safer bet and go for the chest. So there's a lot of like little things that you could do to really enhance the strategy part of the game. And the story is absolutely wonderful. Well, you know, speaking of the story, you and I are talking about this the other day, the other day Eric, and I have kind of a unique relationship with this series because I'm totally going to buy the remaster just to support the series, and I want to play it. Um, but I, I'm also the senior editor over at Udon Entertainment, and we've done all three Valkyria Chronicles art books. And for those of you out there who own those art books, you know that they go super in-depth into the story. And I edited all that text. So unfortunately, I've had the entire series, including three, spoiled for me. I know exactly what happens in each game. I know about all the big deaths and all that. Yet I still want to play it because the game is known for being that good. And I never had a chance back on the PS3. Yeah, it's... I, it's, I mean, it is some of the most fun I've ever had and I got really connected to it and I can't wait to really revisit re, revisit it and enjoy it all over again and I, I really want it to be something that I share with potentially all of you like I uh, like I really want to like maybe even play it and stream it because I want people to play this damn game <laughs> that, that seems to be how you're playing most of your games these days right? yeah streams yeah, are really. how I play my games now <laughs> yeah. we don't and speaking of RPGs this is something that just came up, came to me now but something I'm very excited about is uh, Square Enix is holding an event in Los Angeles on March 30th called Uncovered Final Fantasy 15 which I will be attending. I've been invited. I'm on their VIP list, uh, oddly enough, which is cool. But they're gonna. It's it's like a an event to announce the release date of Final Fantasy 15, which is a little silly. But <laughs> barring that, it's finally happening. FF15 is finally coming after 10 years, <laughs> and we're getting a release date. I am so. I just you know they released a new gameplay trailer a couple of days ago. It looked amazing. I like the demo. I am so hyped for FF15 at this point. I can't wait. I'm actually disappointed they wait a few more years, so then the 15 can represent. Each That's year. true. That's 15 year development, development time. <laughs> yeah. 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 What, now, do you have a guess for when they will release the game? Um, it seems likely to me that it would be sometime, you know, in the in the holiday shopping season. So my guess is they'll probably take most of the year to finish it, and probably release it sometime around November. I can't I mean, imagine they're going to release it, you know, in the summer. No, I'm going to actually go and say I'm going to say October. Okay. I think October is going to be my guess for it's possible, when that's yeah. actually happening. But then you also have to consider Kingdom Hearts 2.8, and they're probably going to want to space it out from that somewhat. Uh, that's true. So you have to think about when that's going to come out, too. It's the question is, is 2.8 going to get September, or is it going to get December? It's cause that's, that's true. It could be December. That. Yeah. That's yeah. the way those other two went. Um, well, the only other news that I find really interesting is I, I'm... A big fan of Insomniac games as well. I, you know, mainly because of the Ratchet and Clank series, and I even had a lot of fun with the the Resistance games. Um, But they just announced a new game that's sort of Metroidvania in style. So might appeal to you now, actually, Andre. After playing Super Metroid, (laughs) uh, called Uh, uh, Derek. I didn't play the Vania portion of Super of uh, Uh, Metroidvania. See now now you got to play Symphony of the Night. (laughs) See that's your next. Yeah, that's got to be your next project. Yeah, that's 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 a must play. yeah, it's called Song of the Deep, and it looks interesting from what I've seen so far. I mean, there's nothing that really caught me super more, you know, a ton other than the fact that it was made by Insomniac. But there is an interesting little thing at the end where it's actually being published by GameStop, 
Which is weird. <laughs> it's weird and it leaves a, a bad and slightly suspicious taste in my mouth when I just <laughs> that part of it. I don't know. GameStop I publishing mean, a game? Eh. Yeah, I, I kind of agree, but I kind of think of it as... Okay, it's, it's actually not quite the same, but it reminded me of when I first started watching House of Cards and they had like the Netflix logo pop up. Like I almost couldn't take it seriously at first. It's like, really? Like This is a Netflix show? Like It, feel, it felt weird. Mm-hmm. Um, like... I, like it was Netflix wasn't a brand associated with original content, and that's how I feel about GameStop. Like it's gonna feel so weird seeing like that. There's like a splash screen for GameStop when you start it up. That's the thing is I already don't. <laughs> It'll like make GameStop. it feel for some yeah. reason it makes it feel cheap because you think it of makes it feel commercial. It makes yeah. it feel commercial and commoditized and just dirty. I mean GameStop. I just you know at least by not buying games at GameStop, I can completely avoid GameStop. Even though I'm a huge gamer, now if they start publishing games. That I want to play, that's a little different because then I can't quite avoid them. It's it's a little weird. Yeah, yeah. it's gonna be. Is it is it digital only, or have they said? Anything? It looks like it looks like it's gonna be a downloadable title. Oh, okay. So they can't they can't resell used copies of their own game. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a racket? Oh God! See, here here's what's gonna happen: is that, is that Capcom's going to restart development on Mega Man Legends three because GameStop's gonna foot the bill, and then I'm gonna have to have this. Real crisis of conscience. Do I want to play Mega Man Legends three, but also support GameStop? That's exactly what's going to happen here. Oh man, <laughs> it's, a, it's a real life uh, morality system. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that covers it for our news topic. So now to get on to uh, what we originally envisioned the meat of our podcast is going to be. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how how this goes. Is that we'll each we're each bringing a topic to the table. It can be either a topic we came up with or one introduced or uh, proposed by you guys, being our Patreon backers. And um, I think this week we all chose one from all suggestions from you guys. So in this case, I guess we're going to start off with my topic, but I think it's a fitting topic to start off with. It was actually suggested by a bunch of you, um, specifically Brandon uh, Duckus, as well as Mark Atkins. And I'm actually going to read uh, Mark's suggestion here, but I think it was the most flushed out. And he, he suggested that we talk about, um, or here's what he had to say. I think for your first podcast, you should, you, should, you should shed some light on how Game Explain itself, how it came to be, what your guys' backgrounds were before coming aboard, where you hope to be in five years, and that kind of thing, uh, fitting for a first episode. And other people suggested uh, talking about how we met. Um, so I guess I'll start off real quick here. Uh, I could go on for a while about this, so I'll try <laughs> to give you the Cliff Notes version. Uh, basically, I've been working in the game industry for, I guess, I mean, depending, if, I mean, I've, I've, been, I've been writing for the game industry for since I was like 14. So I've been writing, I started on Game Boy Dojo, uh, as well as Nintendojo, and I knew, like, I had always known I wanted to work in the game industry. Uh, so as part of that, um, I ended up ga- working at Nintendo in the call center, which wasn't my ideal position, of course. <laughs> but like, hey, it's, it's a job in the industry, it's a good starting point. And, uh, and from there, um, I, I got hired at IGN. Uh, went on to GameSpot after I got tired of IGN, and eventually I came to the realization that I basically had to do my own thing. Before all, before God, there's so much to talk about here. Before <laughs> I started working at IGN, I'd also done my own website uh, called uh, Nintendo Vision originally, where I did uh, where I did narrated video game guides, and then I rebranded it as Game Explained in 2003, uh, which is where the name first came from, and then uh, I used that partially. Uh, you know, on my resume to help me get hired at IGN. Uh, so, anyways, I realized ultimately I wanted to work for myself. I've come from like a line of entrepreneurs, and yeah. So I, th- I I'm like, hey, this YouTube's becoming kind of a thing. Maybe I should try hopping on it. So I quit my job at GameSpot, uh, jumped into Game Explain, and that's how it came to be. Um, 
So I think, yeah, that covers most of the background. There's a lot more to it. I'm sure I'll explore more of that later on. But I figured you guys might have your own, you know, actually I know you guys have your own perspective on how you came, you know, how you came to uh, first finding out about Game Explain and becoming part of Game Explain. <laughs> I got very lucky as far as joining Game Explain. I sort of hit the, uh, just happened to meet you guys as you were starting out because, you know. I, like like a month after, I think, right? Yeah, like exactly. Was- That's the weird thing. Basically, I had, was going through college. I was I had originally gone for uh, English education and it just wasn't clicking for me. So I just switched my major to English. And I ended up spending a lot of time on the IGN um, uh not even boards. It was blogs. You can make your own blog on there. You can interconnect with everybody and meet people. And I happened to meet. I happened to find myself to be pretty good at it. And I was like, you know, I can make a career. I should try to make a career out of this. And I actually um, interviewed at IGN, ironically enough, for the F, as the MMO editor. <laughs> wow, <laughs> and nice. I don't play MMOs at all. I don't care about them. But I was like, you know what? I'll play these games because it's a foot in the door. I can yep. maybe get switch over to something I care about later. And I put it in as a lark, and I got all the way to a phone interview, which ins- I didn't get the job, obviously, but it inspired me. It's like, okay, I can make this work. So I started using that blog on IGN to just start doing reviews and other stuff. And so I went to the first PAX East in order to try to do preview work and try in to 2010. get yeah, twenty ten, and try to get all that started. And as I was waiting in line for Red Re- the the demo of Red Dead Redemption, I. St- was talking to the people in line and the person in front of me happened to be working with Andre for Game Explain. <laughs> and he told me about it, told me how they were former GameSpot and IGN and I didn't realize they were only a month old. I just heard <laughs> IGN and GameSpot I'm like, oh, these guys know what they're doing. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, really. So I ended up just talking with them the entire time. Didn't even play Red Dead Redemption. And then after that, uh, after PAX was done, I was like, okay, I got his card. I want to make this happen. I offered up every single preview that I wrote up for that event to you guys, and you accepted it all because I'm pretty sure it was just free content to you guys. <laughs> and yeah, I just sort of, you know, took forever to get any pay, but that's basically how I eventually met you. <laughs> well, what's kind of funny is too is you reminded me of the fact that there was a time when we weren't video focused. Like we actually had, we actually wrote articles for our website. Yeah. That was like, half, that. actually, I think at one point that was the majority of what we did. We did more articles and videos. That's all I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, got it. There's, there's so much for me to cover too, but I guess, um, I mean, kind of like you, Andre, I started out working for some small-time sites. Like, I've been, I've been writing about games since I was probably 13, 14, uh, just because it was something I always loved doing. I've always oh, been you, just, about... you just had to wind up by 14, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't even know exactly when it was, but I, but I started off writing Nine. for... GamesAreFun.com, which was a really small game enthusiast site that went under, you know, after a few years. And I was writing for GameShark.com, which is really weird because GameShark <laughs> actually had a website. And I am talking about the pro-action replay thing. Uh, GameShark had a website where they uh, had reviews and previews and things. So they would Game actually Shark. send me Dreamcast games that I would get to keep. And that was kind of my form of payment because I was only 15 at the time. So uh, they would send me Dreamcast games to review. And they were crappy Dreamcast games, let me tell you. Um, that And that's kind of how I got my start writing about games. I just always ended up being that guy in my group of friends who just was hugely enthusiastic about games. Uh, so that was just kind of my thing. And I grew up thinking I want to be a game journalist. I, of course, had subscriptions to EGM, GamePro, Nintendo Power, all that. I was like, I want to be like those guys. And then somewhere along the way in college, I, I got a journalism degree. But somewhere along the way, things changed and those game magazines weren't really a big deal anymore. And it was kind of moving to online journalism 
wasn't really my thing as much, so I kind of went away from game journalism for a while, but I kept covering E3 and things every year. I've been going to E3 forever. And, uh, you know, fast forward to, uh, you know, E3, I don't know, what, three years ago, Derek? Um, I and think you it was I, three years ago. Yeah, and, and I was, uh, I currently work for It was when X Udon. and Y were coming out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I currently work for Udon. Unlike the two of you, I don't work for Game Explained full-time. It's kind of like my passion project on the side. Hopefully the Patreon is successful enough to where I can make a little money at it, too. But uh, but my full-time job is Udon. But, uh, yeah, I was at uh, E3, and I sat. Ne- I just happened to sit next to you, Derek, at the Pokemon X and Y developer roundtable. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just got to talking. And I think, what, you maybe saw my business card or something? Maybe my badge. I, I saw your badge, and I saw Ash Paulson. And it just yeah. so happened that I had started listen to, listening to your dad's podcast. Yeah. And I happened to listen to your epi- the episode that you guested on. And... I was like, oh, this guy is so cool. Like, I, the fact that you were talking about Metal Gear Solid and how you were so proud of him working on that game and yeah. how your basic history about working with games and all that stuff is like, oh, man, this is a guy I'd like to meet. Like, you know, everybody talks about your dad or whatever, but no, I wanted to meet you. And you just so happened to sit next to me, and I was like, ah, oh, this is so nerve-wracking. How do I approach him about this? Because I, I don't want to just be that guy It's like, your dad's so cool or whatever, right. you know? Well, and, and I really I, appreciated that. Yeah, you know, I, I, just, I, I get a lot of that, as you know. I mean, I get a lot of yeah. people, or, well, I used to. Not so much anymore, thankfully. But back then, I was getting a lot of people who would approach me just to talk to me about my dad, which is really obnoxious. And then, you know, I found out, no, you actually wanted to talk to me, and, and that was really refreshing. And then I found out that you work for Game Explain, mm-hmm. and I just happened to become a huge fan of Game Explain, literally... A couple of months prior, around the Wii U launch, because um, I was using Andre, I was using your video guides to find some of the star coins I missed in oh, wow. <laughs> Super Mario Brothers U, and I'm like, man, nice. this guy does really good coverage. Like, it's really thorough. I'd love to do something with you guys someday. And sure enough, I met you, Derek, and I said, well, God, I'd love to, you know, even help you guys out on a part-time basis, just because I love what you do and I want to be involved with someone who has a bigger audience. Because at that time, I was writing for uh, Examiner. And I've talked to you guys plenty of times about how <laughs> shady that whole operation is. And, yeah. and, you know, it's not like I really had much of an audience there. I'm like, you know, I want to get involved with somewhere where I can have a real audience, where I can talk to a huge form of people. And, you know, Derek, you were obviously interested in working with me, so you hooked me up with Andre, and really the uh, the rest is history. Just, yeah, just started making these discussions happen, and obviously you were Smash fans, and I think that's when you really just sort of became what became sort of a full-time thing. Well, full-time as far as... Full, full-ish part of, time. Yeah, exa- well, we don't have to say, and our guest, Ash yeah, exactly. anymore. And then, you know, I, start, I got uh, some capture hardware, so I started, you know, recording some videos for GX2, and now I'm kind of like involved as much as I possibly can be when it doesn't, you know, get in the way of my job that actually pays the bills. But, uh, yeah, so that's kind of how I'm involved uh, now, and that's just kind of how it happened. Well, you came on at a really perfect time, too, because we had just started maybe a month or two before, uh, maybe, I can't remember exactly, a few months before, maybe even less than that. I, I really that, have was, no recollection. It was February, because yeah. I, because I, back in December... Okay, yeah, so it was two months, two months before then, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it was back in December where you told me that our YouTube is doing really well because I was most of the people that had other had been helping you had left for one reason or another and it was pretty much just the two of us and I couldn't I was trying to bring on guest writers to try to keep them around and obviously we weren't doing well enough on the website to keep them around because we weren't you know able to pay them and Mm -hmm. I wasn't being paid either but at that point because it was literally just me viewing this as a way to build up a resume yeah (laughs) and you know and build up a portfolio that I could introduce people to but then you told me that hey our YouTube is up to about 50,000 oh (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Show me what I need to do in order to help you with this. And so I started writing scripts, and the very first analysis script I ever did was the Pokemon X and Y reveal trailer. Mm-hmm. I wrote that entire script up, gave it to you, and you know, you performed that, and it did amazingly well. And I, I really do think that's what sort of gave us a little bit more attention beyond your guides. Like it's sort of like, wow, because Pokemon fa- fans are voracious. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. They are, and my, my knowledge of Pokemon, I mean, back in the day with Red and Blue, it was pretty on point. These days, not so much. <laughs> well, it's so kind of worked was... out because Derek and I tend to be enthusiastic about some of the same. There's a little crossover between all three of us, but we tend to be enthusiastic about, about a slightly different set of games than you are, Andre. So Yeah, um, it seems like we complement each other well. Like, I'm, like I totally got into Splatoon, for instance, and uh, whereas you didn't so much, Ash, and you, get, you, know, and you guys are into games from Nintendo that I'm not. Uh, quite as much like like Fire Emblem for instance I'm not a huge Fire Emblem person and I, uh, I, I probably got way too obsessed with the Smash roster and reveals and <laughs> stuff along yeah. the way so. oh and actually well, so that gets back to my point that I, was, that I was getting at so you came on board now that we know two months after we had just started our weekly discussions for the Smash pictures right like they were releasing the picture every day and for a while they were completely uneventful like there was nothing to talk about there at, at a point though it clicked and it started now they started talking they started showing off new stuff and I'm like you know, Derek, maybe we should get on this. <laughs> get, get this analysis something. done. Yeah, yeah kind of like a weekly roundup. Oh, that was a, yeah, it, was a, it was a whole analysis holding us back, too. Exactly, so, because we were you had been burnt out from that E3 with all this analysis that you were basically yeah. doing by yourself since I wasn't able to fully edit at that point. I eventually was able to, of course. Uh, and you know, by the time – eventually you were cracking down on it and I was helping you out. We were both exhausted after that yeah, thing. I, I, I don't know – I mean I'm sure I, – I don't mean this to sound like – I'm not bragging or anything. Like, But I, I don't know if people, if people, people understand how much work goes into those analyses. Like – you know, we put so much oh, time yeah. into sitting there and just going frame by frame through these things. Mm-hmm. And, and so we were I thought, covering six months worth almost. Yeah, and so E3 by itself is exhausting. Like, I am oh, never yeah. more tired in a year than during E3. Um, like, I'm usually a pretty mild-tempered person, too. Like, they're, like I am stressed <laughs> to the max usually during we, E3. We, yell, we have an understanding. We yell at each other, and we're like, yeah. this is nothing personal. We're just stressed. <laughs> yeah. and, and we all we all understand it's, that's, that, that we all know where everyone's coming from. So you end E3, we go right into the analysis, and those just are, they, like, they normally just suck the life out of you normally. I mean, okay, maybe not to that extent. But now <laughs> on top of E3, I'm just exhausted, and here we have the biggest game ever, like, in terms of content, being freaking Smash Brothers, where we got tons of trailer, you know, we got trailers, we got gameplay, we got full, I think, demonstrations of the game from Nintendo on their treehouse. Like, I don't even know where to start with that thing. I, like, I was burned out. And so we didn't even do anything with it for like we, like we had okay we actually had started on it and like we just like I just gave up on it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I kept asking you, are you going to start working on that yet? I'll get yep. to it. <laughs> like I just couldn't work up to it, and then eventually I, I forget what clicked. I think it was we we're like reaching the end of the year. Like I think the pictures have started to become more interesting, and I'm like we have to get this done. If we want to do any more Smash Brothers, we have to get the analysis done. Otherwise, we're just going to be completely buried. We cannot. We, you know, we mm-hmm. basically, if it was a point of no return, like if we didn't finish the analysis, then it was <laughs> never gonna get done. So, um, yeah, so we, I finally decided to, you know, sit down, come up with an incredibly massive script. I can't remember if I handed. 
Did I do the entire thing myself, Derek? Or did no, you, you were so exhausted from doing it all that at a certain point you handed it off to me. I covered like eight minutes worth and then handed it back to was you. Was that the analysis too or was that just voiceover? I can't. It was analysis. It was. No, uh, it was. Yeah, maybe it was the there trainer. was a little bit of announced with. I did it yeah, uh, with right. the trainer because I was so, figuring yeah, out so, all the yoga moves. Because actually, what, <laughs> what ended up happening too is I was, I was actually coming down the wire for myself because I was like, I had a flight to catch, I think. Probably, I think, to Seattle for Christmas or something, or for mm-hmm. the holidays, or Thanksgiving, whatever, whatever time of year it was. And, like, I was literally working on that, like, as I was exiting the, the like, leaving my house. <laughs> I just rendered it out, assembled what I had to you. I'm like, Derek, gotta finish up, man. I can't do <laughs> Yeah, I did finish up the analysis. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it anyways, was crazy. So this trained a really long story. But basically, we got the analysis done. We could finally start talking about the pictures and everything. And that was such a huge relief. And, that's, and then you came on board a couple weeks after that, Ash. And uh, that worked out really well because you complimented, um, you know, you knew aspects of Nintendo we weren't fully up on mm-hmm. um, completely. You know, we all had, like, our compl- complimentary set of knowledge about Nintendo. And you were super enthusiastic about Smash. Yeah. So that super worked out. Well, I think it's our a shame first discussion that- with Ash was the link between worlds. We both we, – I had a discussion with him about That's that. That's right. It was. Like, it was, like, a long discussion, too. We went pretty in-depth because I had just reviewed it for, uh, for Examiner. That's why I just reviewed it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a shame that I wasn't around uh, with Gaming Slam when Mega Man was revealed because I could have oh, yeah. I could have single handedly ex- examined you, that trailer you were, and analyzed no, everything. True. You would probably blown, blown the microphone though if you caught your raw reaction. That's, well, that's true. I mean, even now, my my wife tells me she's like, "I've been with you for eight years, and I have never seen the looks that went across your face at, <laughs> at, at any other time in our relationship." As I did when I saw your re- your raw reaction to Mega Man's reveal, because she was sitting right next to me during the direct, and she's like, "I've never seen you that emotional in that specific way about anything in our uh, in our eight years together." And I'm like, "I don't know if that's good or bad. I guess it's good that I'm passionate, but uh, yeah. but yeah, she still says I've never seen that face yeah. again I, or since." <laughs> I think the only other time we worked that hard together on an analysis was the initial Zelda Wii U uh, yeah. reveal. Oh, because well, in that case. Um, that was E3 just ended and we knew we wanted to get on top of the Zelda analysis as soon as possible because we I mean we know there's other people who are going to be trying to do it too and you know there's always competition out there we want to be first but we also want to be as thorough as possible too mm-hmm. um, or you know as first you know as early as we can obviously we won't always be first uh, you know IGN tends to get theirs out pretty quick <laughs> but yeah. uh, anyways um, uh, so we were up like we were going to Disneyland the next day and we were literally up until like 3 4 a.m. I think Working in the hotel room right after E3, the, the final night of E3 before we went to Disneyland, uh, come, like we were all going through the, the trailer frame by frame, digging up notes and everything uh, related to it. And mm. I, I was up to 4 a.m. getting a script done. Eventually, I reached a point where I just passed out. I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, oh, no, um, we, we were out. Like I was, yeah. I was dead tired. You were pe- dead tired. We were just all exhausted. We woke up. We were supposed to go up to go to Disneyland much earlier. We didn't get out the, out of the hotel room until noon. Because yeah, we I think were yeah. a little bit afternoon even. Because so. I remember yeah. when we all went to bed, it was like five in the morning, and and I was yeah. like, so Andre, when are we getting up again? You're like, oh, eight in the morning, nine to get to. You know, I'm like, that's nope. there's no way that's happening, <laughs> and and it, it didn't happen. I was like, there's no way we're all going to be up in three hours. Yeah. Yeah. At the least, it did get done. It was pretty great, I think. I'm and still super hit- proud of that thing. Maybe, 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 maybe it's just because of all the work we did for it, but and how quickly well, we got. We even around. had we like you know Tom was with us, and I actually wanted to get him on this podcast here. Yeah, since a lot of people uh, always wonder about Tom since he comes <laughs> and goes. He's a mysterious uh, Canadian element. He, I know that's you true. Know? And he was even there, like, he's, he's awesome with art. So he was in Photoshop, like, adjusting the contrast and the, the vibrance of the image to draw details in the background. You couldn't see it in the trailer itself. Uh-huh. 
And so he was picking out things that, you know, most people, like, hadn't even noticed at that point. Um, and that was awesome for the analysis. So. Yeah, I still think that's our best analysis, just because we had all three of us working on all, like, on as best as we could or that one thing and it just well, I think yeah were you, I forget were you helping out too Ash even I did I, I, I did kind of I was, I was in the room with you kind of like giving you guys suggestions and telling you things I noticed as well and kind of going over things with you but I wasn't quite as deep in the trenches as you were because I think I had brought my computer because I was working on some art book for oh, Udon, yeah, so I think I had to do that stuff. but I was kind of like helping out on kind of like a you know consulting level <laughs> you know indeed I uh, guess we can switch over to my topic, uh, which might not be quite as long as in depth as yours, but I also pulled it I from hope not. <laughs> I had this idea. The funny thing is I had this idea before I, the, everybody was suggesting all these uh, topic ideas in the Patre- Patreon comments, and uh, I just sort of took one from uh, Preston, who basically had the same idea, where he says um, can you guys talk about the first game you ever played, and I want to expand that. What got you into the game and what got you into gaming in general like we talked about how we wanted to get into this industry all but we didn't ever said how we each got into gaming in general hmm. so uh i guess i'll start since it's, since it's my topic but uh my first my very first game was the uh dual pack of duck hunt and super mario brothers which is why duck hunt as a character in smash brothers was my huge moment because <laughs> i always yeah. kind of dreamed about him being in the game as a Kind of a joke, but also kind of serious, just because I love that character and I'd love to see what he was able to do. So having that moment was really cool. But yeah, uh, I was three years old. It was Christmas time, and my grandparents got me an NES, and I just remember playing Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt endlessly, and just having a ball of a time. Like, fortunately, you know, I don't know what I had no idea what games were good or what games weren't. So my parents ended up getting me just whatever they think I would enjoy, which tended to be, of course, the Mario sequels and uh, the you know stuff based off cartoons or whatever I watched. Thankfully, the Capcom Disney games were really good. <laughs> yeah, uh, and yeah, you know, I just basically kept continuing on from there and it just you know i have so many fond memories of playing super mario brothers and duck hunt and just each new game i played and how they just sort of expanded my um love of games in general Hmm. yeah well and derek i gotta say my uh my story is almost exactly the same as yours i mean the first game i ever played was again the super mario brothers duck hunt uh dual pack and i got it for christmas i believe when i was five years old and I don't remember what it was that that originally caused my parents to think I wanted I wanted a Nintendo. I don't know if I had talked about it or had seen it on TV or what, but I knew I, I know I wanted one, and uh, so I got that. I got it with Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt and the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which of course at five years old, that game is impossible at thirty years old, let alone five years old. <laughs> yeah, but I was a big I remember Ninja trying Turtles endlessly fan. to beat that. Yeah, I like TMNT two because it was the arcade one. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I uh, I remember vividly. I remember playing the original Mario with my mom actually, and we at that point we you know, we were. Struggling just to get through one, the first four levels, one, one through one, four. So, you know, I think a few days later, we we finally, maybe the next month actually, we had finally made it to one, four, gotten all the way to what we call the dragon, who of course is Bowser, and uh, you know, we we finally beat the dragon, and we were like, oh my god, we say the princess, this is great, we beat the game, oh my god, beat the dragon, and then we does see not sound appropriate. the dragon, I know, right? <laughs> it doesn't at all. Yeah. Um, but then of course we see, you know, your princess is in another castle, and I I will never forget the moment I saw. World 2-1 and it blew my mind I was like oh my god <laughs> it isn't the end 
this is there's more and um you know ever since then it was just the the original mario brothers just or super mario brothers just drew me into its world in a way that i had never uh, experienced before and um mm-hmm. really i think my parents my mom especially but both my parents kind of recognized that it was very special to me that it was something that was taking an unusually intense interest in and not just in the in the uh hobby like wasting your time sense but in a kind of a mind expanding like this is something he could really do for his living later on in life kind of kind of way and they just fostered it they you know they got me a super nintendo when that came out and of course i was still too young to work so super nintendo sega genesis n64 you know they just they have always supported me and uh you know my love of gaming and that's just kind of naturally grew and um to where i am now you know i've been playing i'm, I'm out of all my friends i'm still by far the most enthusiastic about games yeah, out of all my here. friends and um yeah, you know, it's just, and, and I think because I started with Mario, I've always had that kind of particular place in my heart for Nintendo. Not that they don't make mistakes, they clearly do. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, there's just something that always keeps me coming back to Nintendo. So I think it was Nintendo that originally got me into gaming, and that is kind of why now, at the end of the day, <clears throat> you know, I love PlayStation, Xbox is cool, you know, I like, you know, mature games, but at the end of the day, I just have this particular love for Mario and Zelda and Star Fox and Pokemon and you know, that's just uh, Nintendo really got me into gaming, and that's how I started. Well, the, the funny thing is, mine sounded the same way. I don't know if they thought I could make a. Li- I don't think they ever thought I could make a living at it. They just knew I really, really enjoyed it, and mm-hmm. they just sort of got me stuff because that was what I would ask for, and they would help me out, of course. And I, I was in a situation where uh, all of my grandparents have uh, have gotten divorced and remarried, so I had four sets of grandparents. <laughs> so awesome. I made out like a bandit when it came. Yeah, to games. you did. And got so many, and really just got so many, got to play so many, and really experience them. And you know, they were just sort of picking what they think I would like. And then, for whatever reason, I I think it's because of me. Uh, I saw Sonic, and rather than go to the Super Nintendo, I decided I wanted the Genesis because of Sonic. And I think because of that, that actually gave me an appreciation for what each console brings. Because I love the Genesis. Um, Eventually got to Saturn. Saturn didn't really do much for me, so I eventually my parents decided to get me a PlayStation because that's what they heard was the whole big thing. And PlayStation is actually what really ignited my love of gaming magazines and all that. That's when I sort of just took into the culture completely, much more than just a simple hobby. It was just, mm-hmm. this is really cool. I did not realize you could write games for a living and all that. And I think that's why I have much more of like, yeah, I cover Nintendo stuff, but I love Sony games and Sega games and, you know, even Microsoft has some really good games out there that I have very fond memories with, and I I do, it's I am a fan of more than just Nintendo, but I appreciate Nintendo for what they've done and what they are capable of doing, and that's why I can't help not supporting them, because they, they bring a, they do bring a special type of joy. Um, oh, Totally. I mean, I, I remember, you know, the N64 wasn't exactly Nintendo's strongest era, and I got a, you know, I got a PlayStation around that time as well, and that was what got what got me into PlayStation as well. It kind of as much as Nintendo. I mean, a lot of people I think who don't know me as well tend to think that I'm really all about Nintendo, and that's not true. I actually I have a PS3, PS4, all the way back to PS1. I never have been as big about Xbox. I had a 360 and I liked it, but I am hugely a PlayStation fan, and yeah. uh, same thing with Square Enix. 
you know, Insomniac, a lot, a lot of their stuff. I mean, I have been almost as big a PlayStation gamer over the years as I have Nintendo. Maybe as big as, in, in some sense. So, no, Sony I hear Sony was able to nail some really good first-party titles as well as that strong third-party support. So that's why... Yeah. PlayStation 2 has some of the best was one of the best game lineups ever. Yeah. <laughs> totally. So. But anyway, Andre, <laughs> Ash and I've been talking endlessly. How did you get into it, Andre? <laughs> um, so I don't remember what my exact first game was. I mean, I guess ultimately the broad strokes are pretty similar to Ash's. Uh, you know, I grew up in Nintendo, obviously, I'm a pretty big fan of them still. Uh, it did like it they were fun. Like they they made me happy. Like they were just fun experiences. And, uh, like, Mario is probably still the franchise I'm closest to, just because, like, I grew up with it. I even dressed as Mario for, like, Halloween. <laughs> nice. Like, that is, like, I was obsessed with Mario growing up. Um, slightly less so these days. Well, I think you <laughs> but, told us once that Mario's your favorite character of all time, right? Isn't he your favorite uh, video game character? I may have, yeah. Oh, okay. I wouldn't be surprised if that's something I said. Okay. I'd probably still defend that. <laughs> um, yeah, despite the fact he doesn't have much character. Yeah. Like, it's enough. Like, he is, like, the Mickey Mouse of video exactly. games. And that's totally fine for me. Um. So I think though you guys started with the NES. I, I'm gonna I'm go back even even before then. My first system was the Atari 2600. Nice. Wow. Um, yeah. My my mom had bought one off someone from work from her workplace and brought it home. And so I one of my first games was probably Donkey Kong. And even though I found out later the 2600 ports like one of the worst versions of that game. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. Like I thought I had a ton of fun with it. And um. Among that, I also had the uh, the the infamous ET. Oh god, uh, which was nice. Even even as a kid, I realized that game was complete garbage. <laughs> game complete was... garbage. Oh, <laughs> it's in the landfill now. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, then I also I had uh, oh god, well, I can't remember the name now. It was a, that fantastic flying game. Um, oh. You fly an air, you fly an airplane. You have to dodge like tanker like. You have to, like, I, shoot, like, ships and stuff? I don't know if I had that one, because the funny thing is, my grandparents had a... 20, my dad had a Atari 2600 that my grandparents still had. So I actually mm-hmm. got to play the 2600 as a kid uh, whenever I visited my grandparents' place. Oh, I, I knew oh, it was... River Raid! Oh, that's it. That does sound right. It was so good. Um, anyways, yeah, that's what got me started. I really liked the Atari 2600. I would stay up late by my standards then, probably like 8 p.m. <laughs> or something, like just playing that game. And then that continued on with the NES, which I don't remember how I got. I mean, obviously my parents gave it to me at some point. I don't remember the story behind that. Um, but I remember my neighbor had Mario 3, and I didn't. And I would go over there, and I loved the hell out of that game. And uh, I was so so jealous of him until I finally got myself. I don't remember how either. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I that's that's basically how I started. Like, you know, my parents got for me, and I just, I just naturally was... Um, you know, I, I just naturally loved games. Uh, and similarly to your parents, Derek, like, my parents never thought, like, I don't think they ever thought I could make a career out of it. Like, I'm pretty sure they even said, like, you suggested I should play less games. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and to their credit, they probably weren't wrong. Uh, but somehow I got lucky and I was able to turn into a career growing up. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it funny how that kind of thing works. Now, I, I'm just going off those childhood memories. I'm not the only one, right, that had to beg their parents to allow, uh, to let them let me uh, keep the game warm be, uh, during dinner. <laughs> uh, like I don't you're in the middle of ever having to beg them. I think they just kind of let me do it. Oh no, I had to beg. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, it's like it's time for dinner. I, I, I'm, I'm uh, almost towards the end of the game. I can't stop now. Can I? Oh, pause that was it? before. That was before. No, yeah, that's like wasting power. Battery. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So I had to replay the whole thing. That's how you got good at games. Have to re- oh, get back man. to where you left off. There was there was a time I left my NES on for over a week because I didn't want to restart the game. I remember what it was. I did my that with Adventure Island. Let me. The original my- Adventure Island necessitated that. <laughs> what did Adventure Island? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I can see that. My mother would come into the room, you know, and d- double and check to make sure it wasn't on. Oh, that's that's <laughs> terrible. So was, and then she would turn it off if it was on, and I'm just like, Ugh. you just oh. got you just got you just easily put some black tape over the LED light. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that probably would have been a better idea. I was, I was, I guess I wasn't that clever as a kid. But yeah, I neither. The, when save when save points came around, and I used to count my first ability to save, I was so happy. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> I remember I I had the first game I could save on was uh was Crystalis I think or I still don't know how to save Cry- the Crystalis. Crystalis I actually got that game yeah. I haven't played it yet I found it on Trade Trade I heard it was- oh that game's good yeah, I yeah. went back to it I mean actually a while ago at this point at the time it was probably twelve thirteen years after it came out and I thought it still held up then. wow yeah I I picked um, it up I I've been meaning to, like finding time to play it yeah that's the fun part. well hold on did you pick up on the NES or the Game Boy NES. Okay, good. That's that's a real version. The Game Boy one's a fake one. You don't that one. <laughs> well, I remember playing back when I was a kid and, and not really understanding it yet. But I remember playing the original Star Tropics, and, and at the time, I was like, "What? This is a weird game." And like, you know, it was an RPG, and I had I was just I think too young to really conceptualize why RPGs could be great. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, going back now, of course, I uh, I appreciate it. But that does keep kind of going into the whole what got you into games thing. I I certainly saw games as kind of just like amazing entertainment and certainly no like no other entertainment i'd ever experienced before up to the super nintendo era but then very specifically final fantasy 6 known as final fantasy 3 kind of uh back then kind of redefined what got what games could be for me and it kind of realized uh, that's what i mean realized that games could be more than just entertainment and that games could be great storytellers as well so i have to also credit final fantasy 6 with kind of getting me into games as a storytelling device as well I would have to do the same thing, but with Final Fantasy VII. Okay. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, I, I've been playing you know, PlayStation for a bit, so I've been playing Crash Bandicoot and Spyro, and you, you got simple stories out of that, and it, you know, fun, entertaining little things, but nothing grandiose or anything like that. And then a friend came over who was actually visiting from California. That's he had lived here previously, then he moved, and then he was visiting, and he, for some reason, he had brought uh, his PlayStation with him because he was staying at his grandparents, so he could play and he had Final Fantasy 7 and he's like have you tried this yet and I only saw the commercials and I was like no so he let me borrow it and I played that opening bombing mission and got immediately <laughs> hooked because it was just mind blowingly different from anything else yeah. and god bless him he let me keep that car- keep Final Fantasy until he visited again very nice of him a year later wow very nice of him yeah it was yeah that's and that boom Square Enix RPGs just like there you Rush. go yeah. <laughs> Did you ever go back and play six then? I've that's the funny thing I've yet to play six. Oh my oh. god, what? I did not what? get the advance for it, and I was you know what I was waiting on. They did Final Fantasy three for the DS. They did Final Fantasy four for the DS. Yeah, and you know well we'll just leave that go hanging for your topic, Ash. <laughs> For, oh, that's, that's right. True. I, forgot, I, I was thinking we're almost done. This has got a whole other topic to go. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll try to I'll try to uh, truncate my explanation of this uh, answer just because I know we've already gone on for a long time. Um, well, I think people expect that of us. I mean, that's we, true. God knows we go thirty minutes this, on. This is Game Explain Unleashed. <laughs> this is that yeah. is, this is it. this is a real talk. They signed up for this. <laughs> well, my topic is uh, he comes from Eddie Barber, uh, one of our Patreon supporters, and he uh, wants to know what Super NES game uh, we would like to see remastered. Um, and uh, I guess I'll start since it's my topic. 
Um, that is an incredibly broad question because personally, the Super Nintendo is still my favorite console of all time. Um, and I, I suspect that for a lot of you out there, you'd feel the same way. The Super Nintendo is just amazing. Um, the easy answer would be my favorite game of all time, which is Chrono Trigger. But that probably is what a lot of people would say, and it's it's a good answer. But I'm actually going to say that Chrono Trigger is pretty much perfect as it is. And I'm going to say that my particular choice will be Illusion of Gaia, um, a, a game that I have really made no secret about being very special to me. Um, it's a lesser-known action RPG, very much in the vein of Zelda, A Link to the Past, um, but it kind of takes place in an alternate version of our own history, so it takes place in, in the real world, as it were, and uh, and it just it just takes you on this really grand, globe-spanning adventure uh, with Zelda-like gameplay, and it just it had a strength of character and a strength of storytelling that was uncommon in games at the time. Um, it came out right around Final Fantasy VI, uh, and I believe right before Chrono Trigger. So, you know, it, it was it came before all those games that really got me into storytelling in a video gaming sense. And just the characters really stuck with me. And it just the, the journey and the story all, always stuck with me. The, the main problem with it, though, was that it has one of the worst localizations you will ever see in a game. And NX <laughs> titles are known for that. I mean, NX games were terribly localized. And Illusion of Guy was no, uh, no exception in that sense. So as great as the game is, it, it the, the script and the story are almost incomprehensible at times. So... I would love to see a modern-day reimagining of Illusion of Gaia, still top-down, not 3D, top-down 2D, but with a professionally translated script and, uh, you know, just the works. I think that game could be amazing, even more amazing, uh, given a remastering. Hmm. Yeah, I've, I think I, I might have that. I'm not sure, but I've, I've heard good things. It's fantastic. And actually, what's funny is uh, Nintendo, kind of in a stroke of brilliance, and this is something that, uh, it's not super obscure trivia, but Nintendo actually, Nintendo of America, completely redesigned the game's logo to use the same typeface from uh, Zelda A Link to the Past logo. It's just to make just to make them look similar on store <laughs> shelves, so the people who had played Sneaky. Zelda would be like, oh man, what's this? This looks like Zelda. I gotta play this. <laughs> and that's actually what attracted me to it, so it worked. Um, but the game's the game obviously has nothing to do with Zelda other than you know a similar playstyle. But uh, yeah, the logo actually looks completely different in the Japanese and European versions. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Well, if they ever localize it, maybe I'll give it a shot. It sounds like they don't. Or sorry, uh, they modernize it, yeah. remaster it. I'll probably <laughs> never give it a shot otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um. Well, for me, uh, I would say Star Fox, but they remastered that like ten times <laughs> already, <laughs> yeah. including the, uh, the upcoming Star Fox Zero, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Um, no, seriously, uh, I would actually go with uh, the game I just played, being Super Metroid, because I actually I think the game still holds up pretty well, but it's also extremely dated in some aspects, uh, namely with like the interface and like yeah, just just the interface and controls. Um, I think they could make that game. I know some people are going to hate me for saying this, but some people <laughs> consider the game perfect. Uh, but I, I having so I come from I come out from a unique perspective because I. I barely played it at all up to this point, and Metroid Prime was basically my first Metroid game. Um, and I think that game handled mapping far better than uh, Super Metroid did. Like, I was able to track myself better in the environment than I was in Super Metroid. Uh, so I think my, my the thing I would hope most for a, a remake is, yeah, just improving the interface. So one, for the map, uh, you should be able to see the whole world. You shouldn't have to only see the segment of the world you're in. Um, I had trouble, like, remembering... Where you know how the world is laid out and where you know what areas I had left unexplored, and as part of that, I cannot stand the fact that uh, they they document where power ups can be found on the map, like with the dots. 
they don't the dot doesn't go away after you find the power up. So you have no idea which ones you found or not up to that point. And so I've there were multiple times where I'd revisit rooms I'd already been. It's like, oh, I've already been here again. It's like five <laughs> times now. Yeah. <laughs> um and also just the the controls I think could be a lot better too. Or not rather some aspects of the controls. I think uh I think wall jumping would be something that could be greatly improved. I I know some people would argue which they it's a skill-based thing. I don't think it needs to be that for Metroid to be Metroid. Especially in this case where the skill is so seldomly seldomly, seldomly used. Uh, and also, I think um, the switching weapons is a pain in the butt in that game. <laughs> How you can only cycle through it. If you miss your weapon, you have to cycle all the way through again. And if you want to go back, you know, and then you can just... Uh, the only weapon you can easily reselect or select is your primary weapon by unselecting or deselecting what you have already chosen. So I think that's something that can be improved too. So I think Super Metroid with some tweaks uh, could be enhanced. I think otherwise it holds up fine. I don't think they need to improve the graphics. And if they did, I'd want them to keep it still sprite-based. Uh, and I think, and maybe just some music, I think they could maybe make better a little bit. Um, otherwise, I think the game holds up pretty well. I just, I just think some interface con- interface improvements could go a long ways in making the game even better. We well, you know what's funny is I think in that sense you're really going to love Metroid Zero Mission and Metroid yeah, Fusion I was, because I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, Which I'm excited for. Because well, like I was even though so. even though the stories are different and they're different games themselves, the skeleton of the game is very much an improved Super Metroid. So oh, that's awesome. That's that's yeah. essentially in in a, in a gameplay sense. That's kind of what you're looking at with those two games, even though the scenarios and settings are completely different. I'm pretty stoked then. So that's exactly what I want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, I, I mean, I'm now I'm just imagining something like uh, not quite exactly this, but I'm thinking of like a graphical style like Ducktales Remastered or uh, Boy and His Blob, just with Metroid or Super. Yeah, Metroid. actually, you know, actually, would Ducktales gorgeous. would be a perfect example. Yeah, we have like 3D backgrounds too. Mm-hmm. But more, I, of, a, more of a stylized backwards. thing, yeah. It would look, exactly, it would look yeah. gorgeous. They could, that could where totally you, work on 3DS with the stereoscopic 3D. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. Where there's some actual like depth to the to the caverns, for instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be great. Oh man. Uh, unfortunately, my choice is kind of pedestrian. That's uh, the exact reason Ash did not choose Chrono Trigger. But <laughs> I would, uh, I would honestly do would say Final Fantasy VI um, because I, as I've said, I have yet to play it. Um, I, for whatever reason, I don't know why, I, I don't know, I, I kick myself every day, never picked up the Final Fantasy Advance versions of 5 and 6, um, which I hear are excellent versions of those games, outside of the music. Um, and, you know, when Square is doing their remakes of Final Fantasy 3 and 4 on the DS, I'm like, yes, 5 is next. That game, I hear great things about that game. It looks like a lot of fun. And then 6... That's going to be amazing, and then yeah. they stopped. Now, granted, we got bravely default in in place of all that, but I still think, with as much love out there as there is for six, I think people would still be ecstatic to have that kind of uh, update that uh, three and four got uh, just for six, and to see that world expanded upon uh, all this other stuff, all these characters, uh, maybe even added the adding the voice acting that four brought, depending on your. The opinions on four's acting um, and whatnot, and the funny thing is that Final Fantasy IV DS was actually harder than the original game, at least for it, it really experienced was. players. Yeah, um, but you know, yeah, but I, okay. Oh, I was just going to say that I, I I agree with you, and I, I think people would be absolutely longtime fans would love to see a remaster of FF6, no doubt a 3D remake, no doubt. But I have to say though, I do still think even if that does happen. I think you should go back and play the original because FF6, the original version, it, it has aged well. I, I will say it's aged well, but also more than that, 
part of why it's so charming is the incredibly emotive sprites. I mean, FF6 mm-hmm. itself represented a huge leap forward in 2D sprites and, and how they could emote. And FF4 had these really small sprites that couldn't really do much in terms of emotions. But 6 kind of, I don't know, it, it represents a leap forward in terms of sprite-based storytelling. And I think you'd be doing yourself a disservice if you only played a 3D remake of 6. Yeah. I, I, it is something I like regret. Because I've I've beaten the original Final Fantasy, at least the advanced version. I've beaten three, four. Um, I've played through. I, I did. I did rent Final Fantasy V Advance when I had um, GameFly for a bit, but I never actually beat it for whatever reason. Five is um, just kind of. It, it five doesn't hold my interest as much. I, I hear you. The gameplay was good, but in the story, the story like wasn't going anywhere for. Yeah, that, it, so. it doesn't really. Yeah. Um, and let's see. I've beaten seven, eight, nine, ten, uh, ten two. Have not beaten twelve. Or yeah, that's it. <laughs> so yeah, I've beaten most of the Final Fantasy games except for the one that everybody wow. loves. Wow! So you so got to go back and see why people love Kefka and people love Terra and Celis. Oh no, you mm-hmm. got to go play six. You got to. Yeah. So it's it's something like I would love to see a remake of for that reason, but also just I I do I do need to play actually play six. Yeah. Well, I know there is one giant way in which six does feel dated, and that's the random battles. That's true. Yeah, I mean, although that could be, it could be argued that that's just that's a characteristic of the genre, and not well, necessarily. Well, of course, it, yeah, of course, it could be. Um, but I, that does seem to be something that's kind of dying out, right? That's like, true. Well, even what's that game you were playing, Ash, at the preview? Oh, event? Yeah, bravely, bravely second, second, which is oh, yeah, yeah. bravely second. Where you get even just the rates of yeah, that that uh, is something that I think that yeah. all modern JRPGs. If you want to keep random encounters, fine, but I do think that you should be able to adjust the rate whenever you want, so you you know just so you can so the game respects your time. Well, just As look at Final Fantasy VII on PS4. That too, a great the speed thing. Yeah, and being able to just turn it off entirely whenever yeah. you want. Uh, that sort of that sort of toggle is greatly appreciated, and it really should become standard. I think so. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up officially for <laughs> our first podcast. I have no idea how this actually went. So. <laughs> just shy of two hours. Uh, man, yeah. well, people people want us to do a podcast. What are you going to get when Game Explain does a podcast? It's a lot of time. You know what's funny, actually? I think that actually isn't that long by some podcasts. No, standards. it's not. I, no, I've, I've, I've done I have ones. seen some go like four hours or something like that when they get really yeah. on a topic. Um, so I'm sure at some point we'll probably beat this. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. We'll, yeah, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll see. I, I wouldn't be too surprised. So, um, I guess before we wrap up fully, I just want to give thanks to, uh, well, first off, everyone uh, so far has supported our Patreon, and, well, just us in general. Everyone. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for watching, if you've stuck around this long. Um, I also want to give thanks to Peach Toadstool, uh, who actually created our podcast theme, which uh, you hopefully heard at the beginning and perhaps the end here. I haven't edited the podcast yet, obviously, so we'll see how that turns out. Um, yeah, so thanks for watching, thanks for supporting us, and let us know what you think. Um, this is an ongoing thing. We will possibly, you know, we will, it will evolve, I imagine. We'll get better at this. So let us know. Uh, do you like us? Uh, you know, let us know, for instance, if you want to hear us talk about more non-gaming stuff or maybe less non-gaming stuff. <laughs> we'll see. We'll, uh, we'll take all the hearts. So um, with that, thanks for uh, joining us for episode one, guys. And we'll be back next week, uh, next Friday, with episode two. So catch you guys later, and bye. <laughs>